tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number, won't cost you to make a call. And Ali is looking after this morning's programme. Coming up on the show, Johnny Luby will join me in just a few moments' time. Do hospital workers lack empathy? We'll hear from one of our listeners on that. Is Eamon Ryan a hypocrite when it comes to carbon footprint in light of his uh, trip to Brazil for St. Patrick's Day. Could Tipperary Town be the centre of a new biogas industry in Ireland? We'll be hearing from nine-year-old author Oliver Brown. And uh, he'll be talking to, about, uh, talking to us today about his new book. Nine-year-old writing a book. He's from Golden. We're looking forward to, uh, to having him in studio today. We have our Friday panel, of course, uh, unpacking the big topics of the week. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text him WhatsApp. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. We're always glad to hear from you. Let's have a look at some of the newspaper front pages today. The Irish Independent and uh, right across the newspapers, in fact, news of that dreadful, dreadful horror crash in County Carlow, a crash that claimed uh, the lives of three young people. It's been described by the lead investigator as horrific and really traumatic, and Gardaí believe the accident happened after the car lost control on a dangerous stretch of road and crashed into a tree before immediately uh, catching fire and the friends killed. In the accident on Wednesday night were named locally as Daryl Culbert, 21, Katie Graham, 19, and Michael Kelly, 25. A dreadful, dreadful news that, of course, resonates with us here in Tipperary. After the awfulness on the roads here last year, let's go to the Irish Examiner. And again, that story of that great tragedy is uh, on the front page. They're also telling us that half of the people surveyed uh, believe that RTE is serious about transforming into a better run organisation. About time, I hear you cry. Anyway, this piece goes on to say the survey carried out by for RTE, indeed, by Ipsos, uh, as part of a broader public consultation on the future of the broadcaster, found that 13% of 1,000 people strongly agreed that RTE is serious about transforming, with a further 37% um, uh, disagreeing where that is concerned. So uh, what do you think about that? Do you think RTE, do you think that there's a future for the broadcaster? And do you think that there's a kind of a... Uh, a wish to, to change what's been happening there over the years. The Irish Times, and again, that story of that uh, horror crash in Carlow. And they're also telling us that cracks are emerging in the government over the future of Dublin Airport as a senior green ally, allies of uh, Minister for Transport, Damon Ryan, object to rising capacity at the state's main uh, aviation hub. And finally, to the Irish Daily Mail and their main story, Ukrainian refugees who are already living in Ireland are in line for 
cuts to the social welfare payments by the summer. And the Irish Daily Mail has learned that uh, the proposal was raised by Social Protection Minister Heather Humphreys at the sub-cabinet meeting on Ukraine last week, which uh, comprises uh, senior ministers and three coalition party leaders as well. So their headline there is big push to get tough on welfare payments to Ukrainians. That's a look at what's uh, making headlines today. If you would like to make comment on any of that, we'd love to hear from you. And again, the text and WhatsApp is 083 311 It's time for Johnny Luby. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Fran. How are you? How are things on the Forpenny Road, Johnny? Oh, yeah. Not too bad at all, Fran. Hanging in there. I got up this morning, Fran, at 3 o'clock. I didn't the cow, so I took Lempsip. Then I took Mrs. Collins' powder. <laughs> and, Fran, to cap it all, at 10 past 4, I made a cup of bubble. <laughs> oh, Lord God. And that's down on top of a couple of pints oh, inside in Brussels. Stop. They don't make Mrs. Collins' powder anymore, do they? I, well, I still have the old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best before on that? Is it 1968 or something? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, friend, my belly is like a cement. Oh, God. It's in bloody turmoil. But anyway, and what am I the pints in Brazil were quite good. I mean, I'm sure they were. Yeah, I joined the cash lotto last night when I was in there. You know, it's 19,600 to be going to win it. But uh, I see who, who was on before me. Uh, he had tickets, but it was uh, Councillor Burgess. Uh-huh. Right. I'd always look to see who was in front of me, you know. <laughs> so we we do support good causes out there. Very good indeed. So you're hoping to win where that is concerned, I guess, yes, are you? I, uh, I, uh, I said to Kelsey, I was going to Mass this morning. I said, will you say a prayer? I said that we might come out of the cash lot. She said, you can't pray for victory. Well, I said, you can't pray for defeat either. <laughs> so I said, you might as well go for the bloody victory. Wouldn't I love to put my hands on it, you know? But well, anyway. Wouldn't it be great? One of our listeners is giving out about you already and saying you need to look at your car parking in certain places and they're mentioning where. Uh, I better not mention where, but yeah, do you do you need to look I'm, at how you park your car? I do. That was in Sir Rollins. You was. see, it's the first car parked wrong. That's bloody trouble. How well, how well he's up this morning. If the first car parks wrong, all the rest of them are parked wrong. And Trevor put in new white lines. And, of course, uh, Matt from Bench did park wrong. And Joe Bergery and then parked wrong. Right. And, uh, of course, Coney comes comes on with his Jeep and he parks with us no lines. <laughs> Upset the whole bloody life. So what happened? You parked then, and when they all disappeared, you, it looked like you were sort of... Anybody couldn't get out until I left, right? <laughs> and I was holding centre court there. I was in full throttle. But anyway, that's the way life is, isn't but, it? But, but it, park your okay. cows, right? And of course, when our thoughts and sympathies are with the tragic circumstances oh, in County Carlow, it's it unbelievable. Is, it it, it brings like back it. many things to our memories here of the lovely youngsters in Clonmel and yeah. in Cashel as well, you know. And it was a horrible year. And look, friend, all we can say is all of us, myself included, just drive as safe as oh, we can, sure, you know. I know. And young lives with all their lives ahead of them, Johnny, sure it's. Oh, it's trying to clear the hold, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, look, it's tough. Going, but our sympathies are with them and our thoughts are with them as well uh, this morning. For sure, indeed. Hearty Cup to begin with, Johnny? That's right, Jeff. It is a wonderful occasion for Nina CBS above yeah. to be in a Hearty Cup final again. I'd say the town is a buzzing on fire and everything else uh, with the thought maybe of uh, the blue ribbon of colleges hurling. Uh, 
uh, maybe hopefully to come back to Nina CBS to take on the might of our skull reached game as in us at uh, one o'clock tomorrow. I think it's on Tip FM who also do the Tipperary Dublin League game as well at two thirty, mm. and they also do as well fair play them sponsored by John Kennedy Mortals there the uh, football as well against Longford. Mm. So thanks to all the sponsors out there. Without them, of course, they wouldn't be able to bring the, all the excitement and glamour sure. of uh, hurling. You know, I suppose on a line of formulas, they need to definitely have a chance. You know, Alps yeah. uh, maybe were lucky enough, but fair play to them to come through against Tullow CBS. And uh, that it would have been wonderful to see two Tipperary teams in the final. But it's brilliant uh, for Nina. You know, and the very best of luck to them. Uh, it's uh, 73 that it's 51 years ago since we were beaten in a hearty cup final and all I could say to the Neil lads is it's not a nice take the very best of luck get the boot on and uh, yeah. kick on and do the, do the very best you can represent your school and your parish and your clubs with pride and you look back 50 years later like myself and the razzmatazz is unbelievable you know and of course Clanmel CBS are in a Munster College's B final I think mm. they play a little more tomorrow as well Johnny is it? That's it? Yeah it is in the town park in Feather the all yeah. weather pitch there so there'll be a huge crowd out there from Clanmel CBS at high school uh, CBS because uh, they come from Harlow and Clan Mill and now finning around in Clahine and uh, out in Kilshield and Belly Patrick and Grange Moker that all great hurling areas so the mm. best of luck to them uh, as well in their quest for uh, 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 Munster College's B hurling final, you know. Mm. So yeah, and then of course Tipperary played Dublin in a very important league game for them. And uh, of course our lady footballers were in half look last weekend against Tyrone, and uh, they're out again this weekend. And our senior footballers they travelled to play Longford. Uh, it's look, it's a game that they would love to win. I heard Tom McGrath say that all the pressure would be on Longford. There'll be pressure on Tipperary as well because they'd want to start making a move. Mm-hmm. after being beaten in the first round. So the best of luck to them against uh, uh, Longford. It's a long way up, but uh, look, I've no doubt mm-hmm. that according reading on the nationals and the staff, that things have certainly improved uh, and that's so well, only one way and that's spoken. Yeah. What, what, what about soccer? Some big wins there in the, the Junior Cup, the FAI Junior That's right, yeah, yeah. Francis St. Michael's and of course Clanmel Celtic. I mean, one imagines that as I often say, over 900 teams. It's one of the biggest competitions of, of all time since FAI Junior Cup. The likes of St. Michael's and uh, Clanmel Town and Celtic and all of those uh, and even Peak Villa and everybody, all the other clubs. Like, they all get a run at it, but the top clubs in the Division 1, from what I gather, it's like the Munster Junior Cup and Rugby. They, they don't come into it until mm. about the third or fourth round. There's about maybe eight or nine rounds in it. Uh, and that uh, in the league last Sunday, uh, St. Michael's overcame Clanmel Town, who were going, not going through a great patch, but they always put it up in this local derby games and that. And uh, look, hey, just like everything else, it's hard to play for. I think uh, the likes of Peak Villa might be a round or two behind, uh, one round behind due to the bad weather. But the very best of luck to them to be ha- wonderful to have three to play teams in the last 16. Mm-hmm. As I often mm-hmm. say, friend, we're mm-hmm. possibly the best sporting county in Holland. We just cater for everything, you know. Yeah, and, and uh, isn't it great too? And speaking of which, what about rugby as well? Oh yeah, Frank, it's unbelievable, you know, that uh, there's a huge game tonight at 8 o'clock where Ireland take on the might of France in uh, at the very first round of the Six Nations. It's fantastic. And look, I didn't know it until last night when Paddy Maloney told me in Bosman's Paddy's dad was Steve Maloney played Holland with Golden and they'd be a first cousin of Eamon Grimes, that Limerick Holler. And Steve uh, was married to Peggy Ahern and uh, the gay, there was a great horror in Cork years ago called Paddy the Gay Ahern. 
and of course Gordon's great name nickname a place for nicknames and of course they call Paddy Herman the guy Herman as well so uh, Paddy told me that young McCarthy who plays uh, rugby starting tonight winning his first uh, international cap uh, has huge connections in cash the grandson of the great Andy Fogarty ah, nice. uh, the Lord of yeah. Andy Fogarty it was a, a great watering house oh, years, great, years great house yeah. for calves mm. and sport and the whole lot indeed there was a guy who was creamy man during killing all Paddy Horton the Lord of Milton uh, Paddy was a Kilkenny man true and true he used to say to me anyone pair tape so I thought he made his liberty <laughs> killing all but himself and uh, 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 Felix Quinn and all those lads, they used to go into Andy Fogarty's coming back from Croke Park because that time there was no dual carriage way. Yes. Uh, that, but, uh, that, that was where was, Pat uh, Fox's is now, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was, was a wonderful, like Fox's is now a wonderful mm. establishment, you mm. know. Uh, and that, but young McCarthy, hey, it is brilliant, friend, to think that a young fella of maybe 21 or 2 years of age, he's a hospital young fella, he's about 6 foot 5 or 6 foot 6 or maybe mm. 17 or 18 stone and I can tell you one thing, he is like a juggernaut coming through with a ball. He's fantastic. He gets hit and he gets back up immediately. That he's exactly what Ireland are looking for. And whilst I think it's a, an even money or choice, France are the favourites to win, I suppose. It's there in their home venue. Yeah. But a lot of lads gone over to it. And look, it should be it's wonderful at 8 o'clock, you know, friend. And I'm celebrating a birthday tonight and tomorrow night. Yeah, my sister Lucy's over in Bailey's at 5 o'clock to watch the match at 8 o'clock. I don't know where we'll go yet, but hmm. having said all of that, uh, we'll certainly go someplace big, to watch big, that game. Big happy birthday to her. Um, local rugby as well, Johnny. What's, what's up That's there? right, Jeff. Frank Cashel had a marvellous win uh, last weekend, and so had uh, Nina as well. They're top of the pile in Division 2A, which is only uh, two, uh, one step away from going up into the top tier of uh, uh, Irish rugby against the Gary Owens, the Corkons, the Shannons and all that. Mm. They're absolutely flying as well. And Nina, of course, top of the pile. They had a huge win last weekend up in the north. I think it was something like 75 points to six. So Nina is, is certainly in the rugby and the hurling. It is a, a, a town to be proud of its sporting uh, progress and its sporting people and players and all of that. And of course, uh, on Sunday next, please God, at 2 o'clock, uh, at 2.30 Kilpeak play Clan William but at 2 o'clock uh, there'll be unveiling of a plaque to the great late great Moss Morrissey of Kilpeak it's known as Moss mm-hmm. Morrissey Park mm-hmm. uh, and that's yeah. going to bring back many memories you know there was a match there between Kilpeak and Galbalin of course war broke out on the field and the whole lot Moss was there in his 80s the Lord of Nelson Moss said lads he said it's the great sport natural <laughs> 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 rugby once the row broke out that it was, was great sport wonderful time you know, and Gre- I, uh, Greyhound racing, I suppose, over the weekend is is the big thing as well, isn't it? That's right, Jeff. Yeah. And Towers will flock the power down path for the I think it's the ninety eight uh, uh, occasion, ninety eight year of the uh, Irish Derby at York. Please is it ninety eight? Ninety eight. Ninety eight years, yeah. When you think of Tom the Wild Cash, you knew all of it. I did, of course. Big Darcy. Yeah. Did you ever come across Big Darcy? Ah, uh, sure. Did a great dog man. You know, great. A great, great yeah, yeah, great yeah, Greyhound yeah, man. Yeah. Big went to America a few years ago, but they're back in Ennis now, and his daughter Kat. They have two or three greyhounds in the Derby and the Oaks and uh, fair play to the, uh, the horse and jockey for sponsoring the Oaks Tom Egan the sportsman yes. would, he wouldn't sponsor it bare he thought that he was 100% run yes. perfect which it is with all and, the and you know that Tom won a big award for the hotel there recently as well that's it's right Jeff and is, I'm yeah. certainly not surprised you yeah. know it's a wonderful oh, it's uh, establishment here of course yeah. Bilesport
sports uh, sponsor the derby and thanks to them because not alone do they sponsor the derby they give a lot of employment and not alone yeah. do they give a lot of employment they actually friend give a lot of money towards uh, charity I got a few pounds from them from time to time for the Irish Cancer Society and all of that and mm. look the best of luck to everybody there'll be thousands in Clan Milfren and, and I did uh, uh, to like everyone else uh, 40 odd years ago, I was beaten in the final of the Oaks. It's possibly my greatest claim to fame on a sporting field, whether it was hurling or football or soccer. Like you're talking to a man who played with Dundrum United beside uh, 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 John Delaney. Did you That's indeed? My claim. Did you? You've had a checkered history for, for, for sure. And I see him all the other night above in Sorrell and said, Joe Barkley, who's supposed to be the king of dirt players. Fuzzy stack <laughs> held the dirt in his left hand for the first time ever to horse train and he bet Joe on the board. <laughs> so was, I, was I delighted? That kept Joe fighting. Uh, and yeah. Joe always waves, waves a finger about, uh, at me and he always says, I'll tell you a couple of home truths about Frank Corby. <laughs> <laughs> and God knows he could. He could too. <laughs> That's, that's right. Listen, can I say hello, can I say hello to to you from Eamon Brown because I met Eamon and Noreen in the Glen Eagle in Killarney the other night. They were down for oh, for the pieces. night, but uh, we we had a full discussion about Johnny Luby. <laughs> <laughs> a full Eamon discussion. Said, Eamon, Eamon was sent off by Bernard Tim above in Clarity years ago, but until I pulled the straw, of course. Uh, and he, he was sending off Jim because Jim got involved in and he just said to Jim, uh, Jim just said to him, and what does that mean? Him he said, you have to leave the field. And Jim said to him, you wouldn't have a fag on you, would you? <laughs> 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 I'm in the middle of a, of a, a, a junior B match against uh, Cashel King Cormac. But, uh, yeah, friend, look, I, we welcome all the visitors. Uh, that I believe the host jockey and Bailey's in Cashel is booked out for the three days. It's fantastic mm. for them and Care House and all the watering holes around, you know, and hopefully everything, please God, will go right. It stops at 11.30 each day. So, And then you have a huge night at the Dogs as well, friend. Mm. They're wonderful finals, especially on Sunday at night and Monday night and even Saturday night, there's Greyhound race there. And they'll expect big crowds because top-class Greyhounds appear uh, uh, for all these. But I suppose when I look at the likes of the Guild files up in North Tipperary and you have Owen McKenna and you have the Donovans and you have uh, Rachel Wheeler and uh, you have and also friend, I got a lovely letter the other day Johnny Luby the Tupany Road told <laughs> now it was from Tommy O'Neill down in Carrick I'm sure and seemingly he was on that famous trip with TJ Maher 40 odd years ago when we went to Brussels and he said to something I'll never forget he says and I'll never forget you either but Tommy has a, a, a greyhound uh, uh, he brought me to bit of a letter anyway she's qualified her called Blue Maggie she's owned by the Jumps and Chase Syndicate she's bred by Jim Scully in Pilltown and of course Tom O'Neill himself is a, a house owner and breeder Michael Ryan of Kilsheen is a house owner and a Kilsheen and GM and Sam Corley the house trainer of the Epnab Mail he's in it and JJ Slevin a top class jockey and along with Ken Whelan who's married to uh a girl of the Maloney's in Cashel of the Fruit Kenneth Jockey days was a top jockey and his dad Davy Wheel down live more Kent's father and his trainer of the Greyhound yours sincerely Tommy O'Neill and his come on to Maggie so Blue Way Maggie is the one for the Oaks <laughs> it's amazing imagine I got the letter friend the, t- the, the two penny the two penny road, road. road. that's cutbacks you see you were the four penny road but cutbacks <laughs> that's now. right yeah <laughs> and of course between us I could, we could do a bit of tower on it and things like that I hope the council will listen well, well, you were talking to to young Mr. Burgess the other night, so maybe he could sort things out for you there. You never know. That's right, Chad. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mick Fitzgerald isn't going to bother with you now. So, you know. uh, friend, it is a huge uh, uh, weekend for 
Sport, the Festival of Racing in Dublin, all the top hosts are there Saturday and Sunday, and then of course punches down on Monday as well. Mm. So it's very best of luck to all of them. And Fran, on the 17th of February 2024, which is two weeks' time, a check presentation will be made to the Dylan Quirk Foundation and the Seesaw Foundation at 8 o'clock in the Hostenhound in Dwella. In total, over 10,000 will be given between the two of them and it was raised really a match it was just fantastic by the young boys around the Bola and Duella area that driving the tractors maybe at 18 and 19 really? years of age and being escorted by the girls across to uh, Borland and back across the old Dublin road and back into Duella but to raise that that's on uh, the 17th of February if you want to go there to, to be absolutely fantastic and friend I have a granddaughter Lucy mm. Heffern she's 10 years of age she said um Oh, jeez, I'm reading the wrong bloody... Oh, yeah, I have it now. The uh, Canolty National School is having a show on the 8th and 9th of February, which is next Thursday, I think, on Friday night, in Brew, Peru, Cashley. It's called Any Dream Will Do. Yeah. All are welcome. Uh, please support. It's in aid of funds for Canolty National School. And I think Lucy Heffernan is going to sing, I Will Tell My Mare When I Go. Oh, uh, well done. Uh, well it's done. a fantastic way of doing things. But I suppose, friend, look, you'd wonder... Uh, with the RTE, what is going on? Mm. It's unbelievable the funds, the way they were misappropriated, and somebody got a gold handshake of 400,000 and the yeah, whole lot. Still stuff coming it. out all of the time. This this thing is yeah. like evolving all the time. Oh, it is unbelievable. Yeah. And Fran, inside in the middle of the whole lot, Michal yeah. Mertens and Coveney and uh, the T shirt player, Leo Bradka, they yeah. all said, we're still asking everybody to pay the line. <laughs> so, I think there's more coming down the line as well. It's unreal what's going on. Has everybody and, on the Fourpenny Road paid, paid their license this year, I wonder? Uh, well, no, they're all, we're all in the 70 bracket now, Frank. Oh, we're that's right. Free. Oh, you have the free license. <laughs> I have the free license. I'd encourage myself, everyone, Well, you pay your bloody license. Pay the license, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom, Tom Carew uh, was on to us from Dundrumney. He says, uh, will you tell Johnny to try Beecham's Pills? Because as far as I can remember, the slogan stated, Beecham's put you right, right away. And also, they were worth a guinea a box. But anyway, there's pills instead of the powder now. Tom knows these things. He knows these things. Gavin Blue, said, it's a wonder you don't try milk and magnesium. Come on, when I'm back into bed at five o'clock. I said, is it the blow the, the wind pipes altogether? Anyway, uh, what, what do you make of the trips uh, the ministers are taking for St. Patrick's Day? Uh, Eamon I'll Ryan heading off for right. Brazil. Eamon Ryan is giving out about Dublin Airport. Look, there are, he's, they are, many must be speaking out of the two sides of their mouth. It's an absolute scandal. Uh, that I'd say progress, so what, and uh, build the airport, uh, get them in and out safely and all mm. of that. And Eamon Ryan then, and Eamon Ryan getting off, and they're, they're talking about there's more emissions out of that plane than there would be out of Tommy Kane, Tommy O'Kane, and Tony Coney the trip. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> listen, yes. and he counted the chaos and the tattoos. The guy, yeah, they, they're allowed tattoos, but in a limited kind of a way. And do you see that the guards can now, the the female guards, they can have nail polish and they can wear makeup now and they can sort of, you know. Jesus, I, I don't think they needed that for the band, Gabby. I think they're brilliant looking. Every one of them out. I didn't want to need that paint and powder and all that caper. I love all the band girls. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I wonder, do they love you, though? So so what are you making, anyway, about the whole Patrick's Day thing? Do you think it's a waste of money, or what? Uh, 
Do you think it's a waste of money, this whole thing about the ministers jetting off to 86 cities around the world? Yeah, Yeah, the the spin doctors will be out saying how good it is for business and all that that gave and we can get them back into the country and everything else. We can get them back in and have we any place to put them all, all the tourists when they do come, but that's neither here nor there. Friend, that Eurovision Song Contest, Yes, the greatest disaster that ever befell any nation. Are you serious? I think it's unreal. I think it's an absolute joke. And it is like something that we would win and then it will cost us bloody fortunes to host it again. And, and what do you think of the performer? I better be careful of my pronouns here now. What do you think of Bambi Thug, who is performing? Oh, Jesus, fine. I wouldn't know the first thing about uh, Would you not? Is, no. a, is a man or a woman? <laughs> don't, I know the don't start a row here no, now. No, I, I didn't even know it's non, non, non-binary um, and we have to refer to the performer as they, them. All right, big guy. Friend, I'll have to get the Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> that won't help you with this. Stop, <laughs> <laughs> <It's laughs> friend. But uh, come be a minute. I see the government. They're eventually listening. They're from the, the attitude seems to be tightening up yeah. on people coming into the country. Yeah. You yes. know. Yeah. And friend, a chap asked me the other night to ask you because you're the man that knows it all. Are we getting finance from the EEC? Where where taking in asylum seekers. uh, I I think there's an element of that to it, but largely where the Ukrainian um, uh, refugees are concerned, I I think that we're paying that out of the exchequer, as far as I know. But I I think there's some funds coming, yeah. Some funds coming in, yeah. yeah. Mm. And, Frank, on March 8th, do we vote yes or no? Oh, uh, no. You see, are you trying to start a whole road this morning? I'm not. I right. do not know because I, li- I listen to I listen to top-class people talking on the television. Yes. And they say vote no. Then you switch over to another channel and they say vote yes. Yeah. So I do not know. More, look, you might ask me, what will I vote? I, at the moment I'm voting no because I don't know why I should vote yes. Right. Well, there will be lots of... Dis- I can promise you there will be lots of discussion about it over the next uh, month or six weeks or so. Anyway, we're going to have uh, lots but, uh, of that on the programme and it might help you to make up your mind, Johnny, you see. That's I what it is. Friend, friend, listen, I was just hold on one second. I know I screech to this. Oh, you, you're a young fellow from Golden. Come on, have you? Yes, I have indeed. You're a young lad of the Browns. Oliver Brown. Yeah, well, He's nine years old and he wrote a book. I got fair play to him. Of course, he'd have got that from the grandfather, Paddy. Paddy. Paddy, you met Paddy in the bridge house one day with me. Oh, I did. Uh, I remember well. Yeah. I remember I, well. I'll tell you one thing, but if you want to know anything, Paddy Brown is the man. A top-class guy and yeah. a grand fella to meet and great company and the whole lot. But, uh, of course, he'd be... Uh, then, I don't know, would he be a grandnephew of or, or Martin Brown, the TD, or is he... He's, he's definitely related to Martin I, I Brown. I was wondering, was there a relationship there, but I Oh, know. God, yeah. I yet. As the man says, it's like greyhounds, bred in the purple. That young fella, he'd be, he'd, he'd be top-class. And, friend, I see those... Uh, uh, there on the paper. Uh, oh, what a bloody hell. Yeah. Oh, Randler in Dublin is a top black spot for camping off chaos in Dublin. That's right. You know, I, I mean, like trying to get people to come back to your chaos and find out that uh, it is bloody camp. Oh, I know. You know, I got, mm-hmm. I got, look, I got pulled one time for parking and I was parking on a, a double yellow line in a town. Mm. That's where I put it. Uh, and I was gone to a funeral with another fellow. When I came back, I see this bloody sticker up on the car. I said, Jesus, what's that about at all, tall? A bloody fine. But anyway, friend, fair play to the council in that town. I went up towards myself after running out of petrol. <laughs> and, and we shoved the car up at the yoke. 
And just to make sure ten plan, fair play to him, the girl listened to my plight. I said, We've no filling station in Golden and I said to us a hardship case. It is a hardship case. I said, if you look up, I said, Your friend plan on the bench of old pet. Oh, I said, if you look him up, I said, you'll see me walking out with a can of pepper. See, I'd everything, I'd all the elements cover. Uh, so and did you get away with it? Well, thanks be to God, friend. There is, a, there is just, a, the council will always listen to a misfortunate case, and they listen to me that day. Mm-hmm. Now, I did find out afterwards, because Michael Fitzgerald said to me, they'll never listen to your case. Okay. And, which and, are and especially after today, they were, speaking of the council, the lads at the council yard in Cashel wants to say good morning to Johnny, and they love you on a Friday morning, and they said you're great crack. And somebody else was on to the, wondering if Johnny would mention the great win for the Irish Rugby Sevens team in Australia last weekend, and she's wondering if Johnny did didn't mention it because there was a Clan William player on it, and that comes in from, from Amy Lee Crow this morning. So there you go. Yeah, I would think a Clan William player maybe would kill people's bloodline. <laughs> there's one for you know, friend. You will find a connection wherever when there's success, Johnny Luby. Uh, come here a minute. To go back to Clan Mel again, it uh, was the most disappointing occasion I ever had was to be beaten in the final, you know, and uh, to the first time testing was introduced and of course my greyhound accidentally turned up positive <laughs> so I had to go in front of the stewards accidentally turned up yeah turned up positive anyway but I said uh, I said to the leading people because they have a more stringent testing which is only right yes but that was the first time they introduced it and I said I had t- three tea bags in a cup which would give the greyhound caffeine <laughs> God, this spectacular man was in front of me and he looked at me straight. He said, Johnny Doobie, all the tea in bloody China, he says, wouldn't have in the Greyhound. What you have in the Greyhound? He said, did she accidentally eat something? I said, she could have had. I said, I, I don't be with her. I said, 24-7. But any of friend I got trying to death I'm still paying it back. But hey. Back. No, why, why didn't friend. you try Beecham's powders for, for the Greyhound? <laughs> friend. I, I was in to see Corey Handley last night. How is he? And I know he's listening on Tip FM. Ah, he's expecting you in. And there was another girl there as well. I won't mention her name. Uh, she uh, was there as well. And she said, Frank Curry is a great man. She says, for talking about Israel, for talking about uh, Cyprus and Japan. And she said, talking about the turmoil uh, all over the world. She says, and what about us? She says, above an county and our water is turned on and off. She says, every second day. And he never mentions it. Oh, sure. Look, I know. Um, like I, I should be mentioning it, but it sounds like I'm whinging about my own stuff all the time but we've been without water for about three days I mean it's a pure joke please friend but you'll listen to me as this is yeah, look you have the airwaves mm. sponsored by Slattery's in Pocahontas mm. what are God above tonight well you do like me I just go in and says that's a, a, a pint a day and that I wrote, there was a woman there last night I went over to see her and I said hello to Tom Devan from Canality I played rugby with Tom 40 years ago with Cash Grand Final Scout good health to the whole lot of men men from Kilcommon but this woman I was just talking away to Corrie and she said excuse me you're not I said I am and this is all the way I've done wrong. you're not I am I said oh, <laughs> so, God, yeah, and no. your friend do, do you know the excuse about the water in Dundrum that is very funny um, we were told oh yeah the water's back there's no problem with that but there's wind in the pipe Pipes, are they talking? <laughs> there was wind in my pipe this morning, friend. After all this concourse, Go like, on right? with you. Johnny, a oh, pleasure. I, yes. I met a fellow again for you this morning. Who? He'd now talking to the doctor or talking to James David the Undertaker. <laughs> so you, you can thank your lucky stairs. I see, yeah. Tom Julian, the vet. Ah, uh, how is he? 
How is he's he? Absolutely, he's absolutely flying. Well, fair I think uh, business is booming. Not yet, he said, uh, maternity wards, cows, calving and everything else. And he said, uh, the farmers, he said, uh, uh, have enough to get a few bob off of me. He says, when I get paid, he says, I'll be getting the air caught again. So there you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, my best to Tom. <laughs> look, look after yourself, Johnny. Bye-bye. That's the great Johnny Luby live from the Fourpenny Road or the Twopenny Road as it's become, Twopenny Road is becoming now. Uh, good morning to Johnny from everybody in Badge, it says here now. Fundraiser in Bursley tonight for charity match in aid of the Young Child Camogie match. Um, okay, Minister Ryan is going on a slow boat to China, it says here. Now, he, he's not, he's heading off to Brazil. In fact, we'll be talking about that later on as well. Let me take a break back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, we have established uh, that young Oliver Brown, who is coming into us to talk about his book, he's nine years old, uh, he is a grandnephew of Deputy Martin Brown. So we've established the connection there. Uh, Tipperary Town can be the centre of a new biogas industry in Ireland. That's according to the Enterprise Minister, Simon Coveney, who officially opened the new headquarters of Neffin Renewable Gas yesterday. Our head of news, Donald Doyle, spoke to Minister Simon Coveney on his visit to Tipperary yesterday. Minister, so thanks for talking to us. Um, look, this is this is really important for Tip Town um, to put a local slant on it uh, in terms of trade and enterprise in your uh, brief because all the talk recently has been about closures and restaurants closing down and businesses closing. Well, I mean, look, the first thing I'd say is that there's a lot more businesses opening up than closing uh, in Ireland right the way through last year and into this year. I mean, it's, it's uh, one is multiples of the other. Uh, but yes, uh, certainly in the food hospitality sector, in terms of cafes and restaurants, we've seen, unfortunately, uh, quite a number of cafes close uh, in, in January of this year. Uh, and we're looking at that at the moment now to see what we can do uh, in terms of response to, to help businesses that are under pressure in terms of margins. Uh, we know that the cost of business, particularly for that sector, uh, has increased quite a bit this year in, in the context of an increased minimum wage, uh, the extension of um, sick pay from, from three days to five days, which employers have to pay for, uh, and a number of other cost increases as well, on top of the energy costs that they're facing. Um, so... You know, the, the government is, is very much aware of that, uh, which is why uh, in the next couple of months we're going to give out more than a quarter of a billion euros in grants to small and medium-sized businesses across the country, uh, recognising those pressures. Uh, and we're also looking at, at what we can do beyond that uh, to, in particular, focus on that cafe, restaurant uh, sector, if you like, uh, to see what more we can do to, to help them. But that. That, that's probably going to take another few weeks uh, before we finalise any proposals in that area. And I suppose while this isn't a massive job announcement, the, the, the fact that this is a company that's looking to expand but base out of Tippertown is, is, is important. Yeah, and look, I mean, let's not forget who this company are. So this is, you know, Neffin Energy is the parent company here. They're one of the biggest energy companies in the country. Uh, they, uh, they are the largest uh, supplier of gas into the gas system. Um, uh, and this is, this is a new arm of Neffin 
and if you like uh, Nevin Renewable Gas. They've decided to headquarter their uh, their company in Tipperary Town, which is a great decision, uh, but I think it's also really good for, for Tip Town. Uh, and of course, they're only getting started. So, you know, what they want to be is, is the largest producer of uh, biomethane, uh, which is uh, produced through anaerobic digestion uh, on farms and in rural communities. Uh, and they're going to invest a lot of money uh, in uh, in developing a biomethane industry across Ireland, which I think is going to be good news for Tipperary and good news for other parts of Munster as well. Um, and they're already employing 11 people, but they expect that number to double quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think this is a very positive story uh, in the context of reducing emissions, but actually creating jobs in rural Ireland in, uh, while, while replacing natural gas with biogas if you like or, or biomethane which you know which which has been decarbonized and so this can be a win-win for rural ireland in terms of income and jobs and also uh, in terms of meeting our targets uh, to reduce emissions and how far are we behind and how much do we need to do to catch up because anyone i've sp- spoken to in the renewable sector for the last 10 15 years has talked about the huge opportunity we have yeah so look first of all ireland's doing really well in some areas so in terms of onshore wind Actually, Ireland's one of the best performers in Europe. I mean, we are producing uh, in and around 40% of our electricity generation in Ireland now comes from wind. Uh, And actually, over the summer, 10% of our electricity generation came from solar. So we're doing quite well on the renewable side in terms of onshore wind and solar. Uh, What we're planning for now, of course, is a massive investment in offshore wind projects uh, to, to develop by 2050, which is only 25 years away. 37 gigawatts of power generation capacity. That is six times uh, our total energy usage on the electricity grid today. So, so Ireland is planning in many ways an, an energy revolution uh, over the next 25 years. And I think we'll see the benefit of that in lots of coastal counties. Um, uh, but we are also planning because there are, you know, if we're going to take carbon out of our energy mix, um, you can't do it all. Uh, on the electricity grid with renewables. You can do a lot of it, but there will be some uh, power usage, particularly sort of uh, high heat manufacturing, if you like, industries like the cement industry and so on. They can't simply switch onto the electricity grid uh, to replace what is currently uh, uh, gas-powered energy. Uh, And we need to replace that, and, and also in the transport sector, with biogas. And the most efficient biogas that Ireland can produce is biomethane. Um, because we are producing methane on every livestock farm in the country uh, and we can get my biomethane from slurry, from waste material, from crops uh, and, and so this is, this is a, an income source for farmers uh, that is essentially waiting to be developed and we have companies like Neffen who are willing to spend significant amounts of money building that infrastructure so farmers won't have to do anything except supply uh, anaerobic digesters that are provided by companies like Neffen and others uh, and it's a win-win for them uh, and, and that, that's why I think this is something that, that we should be strongly supporting I think in the past there's been a lack of understanding of what anaerobic digesters actually are there's been a concern amongst um, some local communities that these are sort of waste facilities they're not actually uh, they, are, they are turning um, organic material i.e. slurries and plant materials and so on into clean biogas uh, that we can actually put into our uh, 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 gas pipeline network. 
uh, and we can use in our homes and our heating systems uh, and so on. Uh, and, and I think there's a much better understanding of that now than perhaps five or ten years ago, which is why I think the, the anaerobic digestion industry in Ireland, uh, I think we'll see a lot of growth over the next few years and that'll be good for Tipperary. Capacity-wise then, is there, can this potentially replace our fossil gas use? Uh, well, I think it'll play a part in doing that. So uh, I think we will replace uh, uh, gas in, in energy generation with, with renewables uh, on the electricity grid. Uh, but there will be some, as I say, high heat use uh, power uh, sources that are needed that can't be switched to electric that can't be electrified, if you like. Uh, and it'll be those areas, uh, as well as some transportation areas, that I think require biomethane. Uh, in the future, I think we'll have uh, sustainable aviation fuels, which will be contributed to by, by hydrogen and potentially biomethane as well. So the beauty of biomethane is, is like the gas that we have today in our, in our gas networks. It can be used for loads of different uses. Um, but instead of it being natural gas, which is carbon-based at the moment, uh, it is decarbonized gas, uh, and uh, and that's why I think it, it can make such a valuable contribution to our to our climate targets uh, in a way that actually generates jobs and income uh, rather than the opposite. Very good. Can I ask one before I finish? Of course, yeah. And as a senior minister, I can't let you go without it. I know there was a meeting in Ross Grey among the protesters at the Racket Hall during the week, yeah. and they've decided to stay put. They're not budging. They're not stepping down, even though. I think they're kind of accepting that it is now an I-Pass emergency accommodation yeah. centre. But look, at them. I don't know if I have to put this here. They, they want to see the colour of the government's money in the support and the services you can yeah. put into Ross Grey uh, to alleviate the, the demand, that the extra demand from refugees. I mean, what yeah. can you say to them at the moment? Well, I can say that, look, um, the government wants to do more. Uh, uh, the government wants to communicate better with communities that are concerned, wants to listen to them uh, when there are realistic and fair concerns. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Taoiseach has been very clear with a number of ministers that he wants to see a package of supports put in place to support towns like Ross Grey and other towns that have large numbers of, of international protection uh, uh, people uh, and indeed Ukrainians too. Um, so, you know, we, we want to respond and work with communities. Um, you know, Ireland, I think we all want Ireland to be a welcoming place for people who are fleeing conflict uh, and often awful human misery. Uh, but we've got to do it in a way that supports communities here at home too uh, and listens to frustrations and concerns when they're valid uh, uh, and responds. Uh, and that's why uh, the Taoiseach has made it clear that he wants us to put... Uh, when I say us, I'm talking about the Cabinet, uh, the Minister for Justice, the Minister for Education, the Minister for Health, the Minister for Enterprise, which is me. Um, he wants uh, to make sure that we are effectively uh, putting uh, financial support packages in place to provide more resources uh, uh, into the towns and the counties uh, that, have, um, that have carried uh, more numbers, perhaps, uh, in their own communities uh, than in other parts of Ireland. And, you know, Ross Grey is very much in that mix. So from your department then, what can we say? What, what, what's likely to be looked at? Well, look, I mean, you know, I think, like I, you know, I think we need to bring that to government first, you know, rather than raising expectations. But, um, but look, I think uh, what, what we're really talking about is, is local services. 
you know, uh, whether that's healthcare, whether it's education, whether it's sporting, uh, whether it's enterprise initiatives, uh, there are things that government departments can do to prior prioritise that investment uh, in towns that, as I as I said before, have have taken in percentage terms uh, more more refugees than others. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Hmm. That was uh, Minister Coveney speaking to our, our head of news, Donald Doyle, yesterday. So what I took from that towards the end, I mean, he was speaking about the good news there, first of all, which is the um, Neffen Renewable Gas headquarters in uh, Tipperary Town. And then Donald went on to ask him about Ross Gray and stuff. And he spoke about listening to the concerns of locals and responding. I wonder how how much response have we seen and how much listening to the concerns of locals because I mean surely the proper way to have dealt with what happened in Ross Gray, I mean nobody can argue with whoever owned the hotel, they made a commercial decision, make more money by looking after people coming in, that's all fine and very well. A deputation from Roderick O'Gorman's uh, department should have come to Ross Gray, met all the relevant people and said, look, we'll put this in place, we'll put that in place, there will be X amount of a package of money put into the community to bolster, we'll give you some extra doctors, we'll put in some extra services by way of education, backup and all of that. We'll put that in place. When that is in place, we'll be using the hotel to bring in people into the town. Now, I think if something was done in that fashion and in that way, may well work out fine. Uh, so listening to concerns and responding. Yeah. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Is that... If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. One listener says that he has to take a dose of Mrs. Cullen's powder after listening to Simon Coveney. I know. (laughs) PJ English was on to say, first step would be to get rid of rates. Wouldn't that be a great help? And again, that's making reference to uh, the early part of that conversation with uh, Simon Coveney and also of course I mean you know a lot of these cafes closing down and these restaurants closing down um, and there's little talk about the VAT rate going back to 13 over 13 percent and I'm sure that's partly responsible uh, as well um, Alyssa says I'm a family carer a woman uh, a mother and a grandmother I will be voting no and uh, that's somebody referring to the upcoming referenda or referendums. Um, Firstly, because I wouldn't trust anything, (coughs) excuse me, coming from this government. Secondly, leave the family alone. There's no need to put this in the constitution. Uh, This should be legislated for. And thirdly, the new wording states that the government will strive, meaning that it's just all words with no backbone and will not stand up in courts. The government will strive to help caregivers, uh, which means another slap in the face. Plus, if you're listening to the Women's Council of Ireland, they should be called the Genderless Council of Ireland, as they are certainly not supporting the women of this country. I was speaking to Johnny Luby and part of our conversation was about coursing and uh, Anne was on to us from Clonmel and Anne is cross and I know Anne in fairness represents uh, quite a a number of people who would be listening this morning as well. Anyway, she says to me, Fran, talk about whitewashing. You call it greyhound racing. It's live hair coursing in which timid creatures captured from the wild are chased by hounds and sometimes injured or killed. I'm sure it's good for those who make money out of it but it's certainly not good for the hairs, says Anne in Clanmel. 
Now, this week and next week, we are putting a spotlight on dementia, as you might have guessed, uh, because we've done several items on it uh, this week. And we're putting it out there that there are simple actions that we can all take, I suppose, to support somebody with uh, dementia. And one of the big ones being to see the person and not the uh, dementia. And where that's concerned, I suppose, staying in touch is extremely important as well. And talking about dementia, which is what we've been doing this week and we will continue to do next week as well. And also where where a family is concerned, where um, uh, those who are supporting the person with dementia, I mean, just ask how you can help. I mean, you know, could you visit? Would it be ideal to visit? Maybe chat. And support the person to keep up hobbies and interests, which is another very important thing. And also uh, to make sure that your service or space, if you're a business owner uh, particularly, is easy to use and supports people with dementia. Here's Shay. When we talk about a person living with dementia, do you focus on the words living with or just dementia? It is possible for people living with dementia to live a fulfilling life and having the support of a community can really help. A community that sees the person, not the dementia. A community that talks about and acknowledges the condition. A community that supports and engages with families and carers. There are six key actions we can all take to ensure that people with dementia and their families are respected, supported and connected. See the person, not the dementia. Talk about dementia. Ask how you can help. Stay in touch. Support people to keep up hobbies and interests. Make sure your service or space is easy to use. For more information, visit understandtogether.ie or call the national helpline provided by the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland on free phone 1-800-341-341. From the HSE. Thanks, Shay. Uh, 1800 News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. One of our listeners saying, aside from services uh, to Ross Gray, etc., we need a full inquiry into who ordered the riot police, public order police, isn't that how they're described, to Ross Gray, and what grounds were they ordered on what child agency subjected the IPA children and the children of Ross Gray's citizens to the actions of these Gardaí? Um, was Tusla or Child and Family, uh, our Child and Family Agency, in hand for the children? If so, they have questions to answer on why they felt the need to subject all children to riot police, blacked out buses, guard vans and guard cars after locking down a town. Um, the children must have thought they were back in the Ukraine. That's from one of our listeners. Uh, Patrick is rather scathing about um, Minister Eamon Ryan and says that Eamon Ryan should stay in Brazil. Um, 
and he goes on to say other things as well. Uh, less problem for the people. These politicians open their mouths and the nonsense that flows out of them, says Patrick, and lots more coming into us on that as well. But uh, let's move on for now anyway. Farmers throughout the country have vowed to continue protesting against EU regulations of the industry. And last night, as you know, farmers in their thousands protested in solidarity with their European counterparts who said that EU bureaucracy in particular is severely impacting all of their livelihoods. Now, Imelda Walsh, a great friend to the show, former chair of the IFA in North Tipperary, joins me now. Imelda, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran, and good morning to all your listeners. Lovely to talk to you again, Imelda. It's been far too long, and I, I hope you're well. It was quite a turnout, Imelda, for that protest last night, particularly when we consider it was pretty much last minute, wasn't it? Without a doubt, um, Fran, um, National Council had an emergency meeting on Wednesday evening to discuss it, and it was decided, and huge turnout. I suppose, Fran, it's a testament to the feeling on the ground from farmers in respect to how we view that we're being targeted, um, scapegoated, I suppose, in respect of all the issues in relation to the environment and and our emission targets and all of those, Fran. And I think it's a, it's a shot across the bow in relation to we've had enough, it's time to to start and focus government's minds in respect of farming and agriculture. Right across Europe, as you say, Germany, France, Belgium, other EU member states as well. Now, it strikes me, Emilda, and as you know, I'm not a farmer, but it's kind of different issues in different countries. I know, for instance, in Germany, it seems to be uh, taxes on diesel, on on, on agri-diesel and the stuff. But it seems as well that right across the board, bureaucracy comes up all of the time. Is that fair to say? Without a doubt, Fran, and we've seen it more and more over the years in relation to, I suppose, paperwork and all of the schemes. Everything has become more difficult, more and more challenging. And on albeit at the same time, the cap budget has practically been frozen for the last 20 years. There's been no increase. All extra measures have been fighted on farmers, extra paperwork, even though during the talks of the last cap, the current one we're actually in now, when those negotiations were going on, farmers were giving an undertaking that there's going to be far, far simpler schemes in respect of dealing with all of the paperwork. And in actual fact, Fran, it has become more challenging, far more difficult, and an awful lot of money, we'll say, going off to, we'll say, planners in respect of having to do that work because farmers, because of the challenges around it, aren't able to do it themselves and have to employ the, the skills of, a, of an agricultural planner to do this work, Fran. And it's, 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 it's overload in relation to trying to meet all of this, and even in relation to even um, being able to access the schemes, I'm thinking in particular of the acre schemes for many farmers. So saying that, and that's an environmental scheme. Farmers wanting to get into it and not enough places. Some of the people who responded yesterday to my conversation with our various contributors on it, Imelda, um, made the point, and, and I summed up a few, a few of the uh, texts and WhatsApps that we got by saying they thought that the protests here in Ireland was weak by comparison to what we've seen right across Europe. And it was sort of benign in some way. What, 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 how would you answer that, Imelda? The protests yesterday evening, the, the planned protests, are in general, Fran. Just, just in general, I mean, we've seen some of the extremes of what's been happening in Europe where Paris was brought to a standstill. I mean, spraying stuff all over buildings yes, and people yeah. and throwing stones I, and eggs and all sorts of stuff, you know. I suppose, Fran, we're fortunate in this country. We have a reasonably good relationship with our ministers, to be fair. And we, we have always, in IFA, always been able to, to get engagement and meetings with them. So I suppose our counterparts in France, I think that's a lot more challenging for them to be able to engage with them because I know from colleagues across 
um, from our office in buses, Dean McHale would always have told us that we, in Ireland, we are very, very fortunate. The access that we have to our TDs and our government ministers. And I suppose even this year at our AGM in Dublin, um, the Taoiseach and the Minister for Agriculture and Minister Hayden and and, um, Tipper Hackett, they were were all present. They always come and support um, events in IFA. They always show show the respect to the farming organisation, to farmers. So I suppose unlike our European counterparts, we have far more engagement with our with our government ministers and with our Department of Agriculture. What about the Mercosur deal, Emelda, and the importance of that, particularly, I suppose, to the beef farmers out there, because the possibility there is damaging the prices. Oh, without a doubt. And this has been on the table for quite a number of years. I think this goes back to, I think, 2018, I can, 2018 or 2019. I remember we were on the Chairman's Forum and news came through that this that this had been signed off. Mm, yeah. uh, what's ironic, I heard him mentioning there on the news in respect of Eamon Ryan in Brazil, and uh, uh, Mercosur was the first thing that popped into my mind when mm. I heard that that news clip was yeah, saying that. that's one of the and countries involved, isn't it? One of the countries yeah. involved, one of, the, uh, one of the, the South American countries involved was saying that. It's, it's the fact that the huge amount of deforestation that's taken place in the Mercosur countries in respect of, we say, the environment and everything else. And we see countries, I suppose, in particularly, I suppose, maybe Germany in particular, wanting to get their cars um, into South America and willing to sell out farmers, all farmers, in respect of achieving this. As many uh, products who want to get into South America, this has been on the table. I think Macron in France is a huge pushback, sort of underline, Mm -hmm. in relation to this, because they now realise the farmers are no longer going to sit back and allow this to happen, to allow... Um, for mm. countries for, food, for the highest standards. When you think back at the regulation, I suppose back when John Bryan was former former president of IFA, prior mm. to him being coming himself and the team from the Irish Farmers Journal went out there and they uncovered all sorts of, um, I suppose, concerns in relation to beef, we'll say in that with the um, hormone, hormoning of cattle, um, uh, antibiotics mm. and all of that, no recording of it. And then you see the high standards that we adhere to in this country and across Europe in, mm. in relation to how beef is produced in these countries. That's interesting. And my understanding is, is that 99,000 tonnes of beef every year from South America will be flooding the European market, which is remarkable, isn't it? It really is. Un, un, unbelievable, especially from a country like Ireland where we export so much of our beef. And, you know, and, and we're producing it to the highest quality, to huge, huge standards. Um, that are expected to get to get that board be a local for farmers is massive, and a lot of work goes into achieving that. And then to see countries that none of these standards um, are expected um, flooding a market, it it it, it just figures to leave France in will, relation to. Will it. we see an escalation of protests over the next while? Do you think, Amelda? I think, Fran. Um, I know that IFA have meetings scheduled. Um, with the department in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I would imagine it will go from there. Obviously, this year, Fran, and it's probably and possibly a very, very good year to, to mm. be making our voices heard yeah. in respect of local European and quite possibly a general election this year. Um, we try to look at it, I suppose, farms at the breaking point in respect of it isn't just one sector. And sometimes, um, perhaps, it would people try to pit one group of farmers against other beef against dairy against sheep against tillage and at the end of the day Fran we're all farmers 
trying to carve out a decent living for ourselves and our family. Farmers are probably one of the most hardworking, honest group of people. Um, never found one thing. I'm just thinking back to 2018. Like all the farmers that were out, helping the local authorities, clearing roads and everything that we could do to help. And then in relation to this, that it's, I think sometimes the public forget the role the farmers play. At the end of the day, Fran, no farmers, no future, no food. And you see yourself in the supermarket shelves. If there's a forecast of heavy snow coming, what are the products that are gone off the shelves? The vegetables, the meat, the dairy products. Um, but all of the, the items that come from farms are the items that are the first ones to be sold. It, it isn't other items, dried ingredients that, farm, that people are looking for. We all need farmers. And this is our opportunity in particular to focus our councillors, our TDs and our MEPs in respect of farmers and what we need. And it, it's just respect as well as everything else. It's, it's, it's actually dealing with the whole over-regulation and, you know, and everything. And we see it, look at fine in other areas where there's no communication, where there's no engagement. What happens? All right, Imelda, I'll leave it there. But it's great to hear you back on the programme, Imelda. And uh, I hope you're well and, uh, and look after yourself. Thanks, Imelda. OK, friend. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Carmela Mahagut. That is Imelda Walsh there, former chair of uh, North Tipperary uh, IFA, 1800-938-007. Now, after news broke that uh, Minister Eamon Ryan is set to travel to Brazil for St. Patrick's Day, huge backlash online for, I suppose... Uh, what some people might see is hypocrisy where the climate crisis is concerned and he's a uh, carbon footprint and all of that. Well, James was in touch and he joins me now. James, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? I think you couldn't believe it when you heard it, James. Is that it? I, I believed it less than when I saw it's 9,100 9, kilometres to, uh, from Rio to Dublin. Wow. Now, you won't get a train direct. Mm-hmm. Even if you did, you'd be about a week on it. Yeah. So I guess he's going by plane. I, I believe. I his, guess so. Yeah. I believe his carbon footprint is the equivalent of the U, two domestic houses used for the year. That one trip. And I mean, it's a two business. He, he was asked uh, about this, and you know, he he said going to Brazil in particular because they're in a rather influential situation at this time in that uh, they'll be hosting a COP I think it is uh, uh, next year and uh, um, all that's happening there I suppose um, it, does that hold anything for you? No because they, they, w- w- they import wood chips from Brazil to use in the factory in Ferban. Yeah. now that's Amazon wood I presume like, I mean so how double standards have we got? Yeah. Like, that just doesn't make sense I mean, that lady made so much sense there. Like, we're in a country now where you've got to have a flock number for a hen. A flock number me? for a hen? A hen, yeah. Are you serious now, or are you having me yeah. on? No, no, I'm not having you on. I, I thought somebody was having me on. Check it. A, a flock, flock n- number for a hen. Wow. And if, if, if well, there's bureaucracy ration, for you. If the ration, people, people that sell the ration are tough enough, they can refuse to give you feed unless you have your flock number. That's where we are at the moment with those crazy, crazy people. Are you, I, I, mean, I presume that's an EU directive, is it? Oh, sure, everything's an EU directive, I think, Fran. Everything is. Yeah. I mean, in a, in, a, in a world or a planet where under 0.02 uh, carbon dioxide, things stop growing. And we're at 0.4. 0.04, sorry, 0.04. Like, I mean, where are we going with this? It's a, like what you said selling cars in Brazil and Argentina and places like that, 
and selling they out farmers for, for the that. farmers yeah. and, anything, and, and they also sacrifice common sense. I mean, this doesn't make sense. Like, right. look at Europe now, just getting no publicity, and they're going crazy around Europe, the farmers at the moment. Like, they're going to bring the place to a standstill, and, and they're, they're right. Can't well, 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 they have brought the, the major cities to a standstill. But uh, the only thing about it, I wonder about that in some way. And it was a point made to me yesterday as well. If you annoy other people and if you hold them up when they're going about their daily work and stuff, does that turn non-farming people against the farmers then? So I just wonder how effective these kind of mass protests are. It probably will, yeah. But like, I mean, desperate people do desperate things. Mm. And they, they weren't getting attention. Like, I mean, they, they were forcibly bought farms in Holland. They had bought, I don't know how much uh, percentage of, of farms in Holland. Mm. The second biggest food producer in the world, and they were going to wet on them. Like I mean, in Holland, that is already a dam. You know, you just can't you can't make this stuff up. Like none of it makes sense when you go through it. You hear all from one side. It's almost like indoctrination. I mean, you listen to some of the people that seem to have a balance on it, and they say, I mean, we're talking about the hottest day in Ireland in the last 150 years was 1872, I think. And the coldest day was 1877. You know, we're talking about the warmest summers, the wettest summers. We've always had wet summers. We've always had warm summers. They come yeah. and they go. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I know people who, who believe that we're in a, an existential crisis where, where climate change would point to, say, Irish weather over the last couple of years. You know, it's been right, very different to what I remember back in the 80s, I, I suppose, James. You know? Yeah, and I remember my father telling us in 1947... They could get no hay when hay was the thing in 1947. They were saving it into, into October. Mm. And there was summers then that there was so hot. So, mm. you know, those things are cyclical, I think. So, and, I uh, and climate change in general, then, your thoughts would be what, James? I, my thoughts would be the truth is not... I mean, why is the Panama Canal out of water or too low on water to, to service properly? We're going to be flooded, they tell us, Right. Yet the Panama Canal is low on water. They're not able to cope with the traffic. Right. Well, my, my understanding about the canal system, because it's man-made and stuff, I mean, that's that's a different ball game to what's happening in our oceans. For example. But I'm no expert on this now, James. But that's what I, know what, what I would think. Um, the other thing, too, about Eamon Ryan, again, excusing the fact that he is flying to Brazil. He's saying, you know... Brazil, as I say, huge influence at this time. They're chairing the G70. He says he'll discuss climate justice with their environment minister. That should be an interesting conversation with the amount of trees that they're they're cutting down and the like. But anyway, and, and he said all of this justifies his travel. And he says as a small country... Uh, the notion of ministers going out and visiting other countries, it reaps huge benefits. Without a doubt, I would say so for technology and all the rest of it. But how much are we exporting to Brazil each year? I have no idea. No, but it's really, I, I don't know. I didn't check it, but I'm sure it's quite interesting. How much you, are we you, you think it's, in? it's very little, is what you're saying? Oh, it's a very it? little. Like, I mean, yeah. we're, we're actually bringing wood chips half the way around the world mm. to burn in the Faban power station. Yes. There's something radically wrong with what with their plan. Mm. Like, I mean, you know, what are they aiming for? Like, what are they aiming for? When China is doing what China are doing, when North Korea is doing probably whatever they want to do. India. Northern India Ireland. As well, yeah. India you as know, well. Israel, all the rest of them. Like, I mean, one, one day in, in the Ukraine probably is the equivalent of a month here or two months here, the damage that's done in one hour maybe in Ukraine. 
in, in, in terms of what it's doing to the environment. The environment, it? yeah. yeah that's, environment. that's a very interesting point you're making there, and nobody speaks about that. Well, you see, it's, you, you say people are believing, like, I mean, and it's not that I'm disbelieving, but it just doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up. Like, they're comparing the temperatures to when. Like, I mean, we don't know what happened 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Mm. So you can't compare as such then. You know, you just can't compare. And then they seem to be happy enough to quieten people who question it. Mm. They don't want them talking or they won't get publicity, you know. And, and what do you say when, when you're told, well, look, you better listen to the science on this and... Better uh, listen to both science. Mm. The two-sided science. Like, I mean, it's like, it's like sort of having something brainwashed into you. If you keep repeating it over and over and over again. Like, what happened acid rain? Mm. You remember acid rain? I do. I do indeed, yeah. Where does that go? I don't know. In the 70s, we were supposed to run out of fuel in 10 years. Yeah. Where does that go? I mean, it's pretty hard to believe those people because they don't, they're not always creditable. Like, when, he, when a man in charge of the environment says, when you're making a cup of tea, you should put your hands around the cup to keep your hands warm. That's, that was his answer for, for people yeah. using fossil fuel. You know, like, I mean, it's very hard to t- t- give them credibility. I find it very hard anyway. And is that the problem, the lack of credibility with some people at this point, that people are just... Well, that is, it, it, they don't see left or right. They just want to get their agenda across at any cost. They want to get their agenda across. And there's no, there's no arguing with it. They're not arguing. There's no debate with it. You don't get open debate. You either get the, as they call them, what, far left, far right. There's no middle ground. And there's no definite figures to back this up. Like, I mean, those are all figures presented to, to pass the case. I, I, I just don't get it. I well, just well, don't the, get it. What's there, cost? Well, seemingly there are figures, but I remember going into this a few months ago and I went down a rabbit hole with it. And to be honest with you, it was all so complex and scientific and stuff, I, I was left scratching my head after. It, it's not that I didn't believe you, by the way, but I, I asked Ali to check out for me. And seemingly it is mandatory for anybody with poultry even one or two hens to to register. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. Would you? you didn't believe. I didn't believe it when I heard it. I know it I wasn't no that I didn't believe you. I was just wondering what exactly the thing was on it. My God, but is that, isn't that pretty mad? Mm-hmm. Is it any wonder the farmers are objecting? Well, when you've got to do that with a hen. I, I, by the way, James, are you a farmer? No, I was no. born on a farm, all right. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I understand the predicament. Like, I mean, it's a tough, tough job. Yeah. You know, they, they really work hard. And, like, we produce brilliant food. Like, I spoke to a chef who, who worked in London, and he used imported meat, and he said it's night and day, the difference. Be- between the beef? Oh, yeah. He yeah. says no taste, virtually no taste. Now, you also have the situation of big gates trying to develop synthetic food, mm. and, uh, you know, he's, he's no fool either. So you just wonder where we're heading for here. Like, is everything going to come out of a can shortly or with a Best Buy date on it or will there be anything fresh? All right. I just don't know. James, anyway. James, appreciate your time today and thanks for coming on. Thanks, James. Day. You Take too, care. James. Bye-bye. Look after Bye-bye. yourself and thank you. Uh, we'll take a break and then we've got a really special item for you. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today 
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Well, you're very welcome back to Tip Today. Uh, 083 We're getting lots in on uh, the farmers' protest and the Marcus ordeal and various different things. And I will get back to it in just a little while. But now, a lovely story because uh, local nine-year-old Oliver Brown from Golden is waiting uh, for the worldwide release of his first book. The book is called A Cat and Eight Kittens and it looks absolutely gorgeous. It's here in front of me. But most important is that Oliver is with me in studio now along with his mum and his dad as well. So good morning to you all and thanks good thanks good for morning, coming into us. Good morning, um, good morning, friend. Can I talk to you first of all, Oliver, and say congratulations yep. to you. This is fantastic. Thanks. Uh, tell me how it came about. How did you become an author? Um... I was writing little stories with my mum and my dad, and then my dad thought one of them was brilliant, and he sent it to publishers. And what happened then? Um, it got published. And when you got news that it was going to be published, how how did you feel about that? I was ex- very excited about it. And I'm just looking at, I mean, your story is marvellous, but the drawings as well is just terrific. When you saw the book for the first time, how did you feel about that? It was brilliant. Yeah. I loved all the drawings on it and the storyline. And it looks great. Will it be in the shop soon, do you think, Oliver? It's going to be all around the world today. Right around the world? Yeah, all around the world. Isn't that incredible? Yep. So tell me about you. Did you always write stories? Not always, but I started writing stories when I was seven. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. And what sort of stories do you write? Um, Like animal stories. Or why animal stories? Because I like animals... Do you? Yeah. And tell me about this story, Cat and Eight Kittens. How did this come about? I was making a little story and then I thought why not add um, the kittens to it and then I made them the main characters. Right. And can you tell us a bit about the story without giving it all away? I mean, what what happens? Can you give us some of the story? Yes. Um, in the story, they're, they're in a broken down house. And then they're running away from a dog in one frame. And then, yeah, they look like they're great fun. These kittens, are they? Yep. Yeah, they, they are. They look like they're having an awful lot of fun. Tell me about you. You know, where where do you go to school? It's in Golden, is it? I go to school in Golden National School. Right. Okay. And what else do you do? Because you play sports too, don't I you? I play rugby, jiu jitsu, soccer, hurling, and football. Good God almighty, that sounds exhausting to me. Absolutely exhausting. And what do your friends think of the fact that you're now a published author? They're very proud of me. They must be very proud of you indeed. And what about your teacher in school? And My teachers are also very proud of me as well. I'm sure they are. Your your dad, Oliver, as well, Oliver Sr., and uh, Carmel, your mum, with us as well. Congratulations to you both. You must be so Thank proud of, of yeah. him, Carmel. Um, nice tell me about this. I mean, when you found out he was going to be published, how how did you feel? Oh, my God. So proud of him. Um, yeah. yeah. Isn't it great? That's fantastic. And Oliver, did it start with you? You encouraged him, was it? He was actually writing. He asked me, could he write? He was finishing college a few years ago, health and safety in UCC, and he asked me, could he write across to me? And and I said, no problem. 
and he started writing away and and to be honest with you Fran I, I seen the A4 size page was getting higher and higher and the first thing came into my mind was oh my god he's using all my printing paper <laughs> and like I didn't think much of it to be honest with you and he kept on saying to me dad will you will you read my book and I said yeah yeah I, when, when I finish college I'll read it and I said to to his mum, I said, will you read that book like there? Because I didn't think much of it, to be honest with you, because I know it's maybe my ignorance to young authors. I thought, what could a seven-year-old be writing, really? And and um, his mum said to me, you actually need to read this. So I said, you know what we'll do? I said, yeah. I, I, before I put away the computer later on, myself and himself will edit the book together and we see how things go. And now, I'd be honest with you, we had to take out the Aquaman and we had to take out <laughs> Minions, but I'll have a good understand why he couldn't put the Minions into his book. But right, he right, understands right. now about copyright. Of course. And, um, so we, we actually edited it and, and we sent it to uh, an Irish publisher, first of all, and they sent us back uh, an email saying that they didn't actually print kids' books to actually find an international publisher because it was actually a special book. And that kind of blew us away because, you know, we didn't we didn't expect this no, like and and um, in a short while then we got confirmation from Austin Macaulay publishers asking us would we accept the contract and we nearly fell over to be honest with you. My God. Absolutely yeah. nearly fell over. But, but tell me about because Oliver, you're busy with your own studies, but when you did finally read what it was he was writing um, was it a shock to you as to how clever it was, how creative it was? It, it was, actually, and, and what shocked me the most, because uh, you'd be editing your assignments for college and they take forever, and I actually was surprised at how little the book had to be edited down along. We were finished it in probably a half an hour of editing, and, and why, like all kids of his age, his grammar and the odd spelling mistake, but, mm, yeah. like... I was absolutely shocked at the storyline and I said it to Carmel, like, it, at the start, like, I will admit, I said to you that, that what could he write about cats being chased by dogs? But then when I actually seen what he had actually put together about the cats being chased by the dogs and, and the plot lines in the middle and there's a change there's a total turnaround of the story near the end and yeah. it'll blow people away because like the little girl that came into the door and gave out to us about it being said um, she didn't understand because she didn't get to the end of the, the, oh, the book God. that the plot line changes at the end and it's it's a really really yes, warm ending and, and and Carmel had he always been good in school where English is concerned writing essays and stuff he right? has yeah. um, he has been very good yeah um, he actually loves English. Maths will be probably his favourite subject, but he yep. just loves um, oh, right. writing. So he's a real clever boots, clever, is he? Clever, clever out. Yeah, as an We do it um, hiking and mountain climbing. When we're up the mountain, if they get a bit bored at times, we do simple things like telling a different story or doing maths with them or something to catch them out. And this is only something little funny to pass the time and... Yeah, I presume it got into his head a bit, I suppose. And uh, Oliver, what about you then? Do you want to be a writer when you're finished school and all of that? Yes, That's... I do want to be when I grow up. Yeah, because I think you could easily make it as such. The other thing that strikes me about this is that it's so visual. This would make a lovely TV programme or a movie or something, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It would. So you could see that happening, could you? Yep. Oliver Senior, you 
kind of needed a boost, didn't you? You've had a tough journey over the last while yourself. Yeah, it, it, I think the family needed a boost. I think actually it's unusual that you get things in life at the right time. And and I, I was sitting in bed actually in Clamell General Hospital two days after finding out the cancer. And um, when we got the email and I said to my wife, do you know what, this is the lift we need mm-hmm. and things come at the right time. Now, I must say a, a massive thanks to Clonmel General Hospital staff and, and, and like, they were fantastic with us. And, and, um, but, like, it, it's, it, it comes at the right time. And we, we tried to, while we were trying to be, we, we were always open with the kids about the illness. We always tried to, you know, fit in our, our own hike and a mountain climbing and different things in between it. And his love for Kilfiekel Rugby Club yeah. in between it. And that way, you know, they know that there's more to life than daddy being sick or whatever. But it it did lift our whole family, course, to be honest yeah. with you. Carmel, you're nodding at that. It gave you a bit of a lift when exactly when you needed it, yeah, I it suppose. Did, yeah. yeah, it did need that, yeah. Yeah, has, has he got brothers and sisters? He's got one brother, Jared. He's seven. All right, okay. Yeah. So, so he's Thomastown younger. School. He's School. Yeah. He, he's younger indeed. Yeah. Um, what about other stories? Have you other stories in mind now, going around in your head? Yeah, I do have a, a few others. Yeah, you have a lovely uh, big book of them at home. Actually, short stories. And are they, they're all about animals? Do you ever think that you might write about about other little boys or other Probably. kids? Or, yeah. You wouldn't know, but in the meantime, it's animals anyway, is it? You have actually some lovely stories about kids and and out around playing in fields and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you have you got have, have you got a whole load of friends in school as well? Yes, I do. Yeah. Do you want to tell me about some? Who's the best friend, by the way? The best friend out of all of them. Yeah. And probably Conan. Conan. Yeah. What, what's why is Conan the best friend out of all of them? Because he's a very nice and kind person to me. Is he indeed? Yeah. Yeah. And tell me about your little brother then. It's uh, Jared. He's seven, is he? Yes, uh, he's seven. Do you get on well with him? Um, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> he's a rascal, isn't he? Yeah. So why why do you say probably not? What what happens? <laughs> he he really isn't that nice to me. Is he not nice to you? No. <laughs> at times. At times. But most of the time he's nice to me. All right, most of the time he's nice to you. It's lovely when you ask a, a young person a question like that, you get the absolute truth. The truth. Oh, yeah. they do. They don't, <laughs> they don't uh, mince their words. They're great, very competitive yeah. against each other. I presume that um, if national radio and TV and stuff, have they been on to you about this? Because it's a big deal. I mean, you yeah, know, um, Adam Harris has been on to to us there um, yeah he's he's getting on to us at the moment Oliver of ASD and um, Adam is going to meet up over the next while and and you know it's only kind of getting going today today is the launch day yes. but it's a good sign and we were on Amazon a while ago and Amazon are after running out of the paperback after an hour or so wow. that's a good sign so you know, hopefully that means, you know, that the sales are already working yeah. working well. And I, I just want to make this point again. This is not some local publication now. This no, is a global... A global, global pu- publication. Worldwide. It's yeah. actually, yeah, been, it's it's actually been published in, 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 I don't know, it was it 13 different languages or something? Yeah, said. 13 different was, languages. Yeah. My God. Yeah. And, which is shocking, like, to be honest with you, it's worldwide, like... Yeah, and already are they asking him about a follow-up to this? Is it? Yeah, he, he's he's already. <laughs> they've got the first refusal for the next one, and he actually has a few 
lovely storylines in this Christmas one is probably the best one, isn't it? Is it? And yeah. that's for the future, is it? That yeah. Uh, so there will be a Christmas version. Yeah, it? and he actually have a lovely Christmas storyline, but don't give away the storyline because you're on the radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you ha- you have a Christmas story ready for us, Oliver, do you? Yeah. All right, OK. Well, we're all looking forward to that. Can I say just congratulations to you as a family? Fine, I mean, thank you very just, much. Thank you. And thank thanks you. for having us in here. You're welcome indeed. And we'll be putting up some photographs as well of Oliver online a little later on and a photograph of the book as well so that people can see. So if you want to buy this now, you can buy it online. Will it be in the stores eventually? Yeah, it's yeah. in all the stores. Um, it, it at the moment, you can buy it from us and Macaulay Publishers or you can buy it from Amazon. Uh, Amazon. Pre-order yeah, Amazon. we're... We've been getting on to, to Easton's about um, uh, about uh, stocking it, but mm. we've got no proper reply back from them because an English company right. actually buys for them, so we'll have well, to wait. When they know that there's a run on it online, I promise you they'll be in touch yeah. with you. There's, there's no doubt about it. Oliver Senior, Oliver Junior and Carmel, thanks for Thank coming in to us. And many Thank congratulations you. to you. you. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more in just a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, uh, Oliver forgot to say um, hello to his grandparents, so we're putting it out there to the grandparents who must be extremely proud indeed. And uh, hi, Fran, huge congrats to young Oliver Brown. Uh, Such a great achievement. Very best wishes to him and also huge congrats to his parents, Carmel and Oliver. That comes in from Margaret and from Peter Tuhi as well. Now, are you thinking about getting a puppy and have you considered fostering a dog? Well, the Haven Rescue inside of Templemore, they're having their annual dog walk in Templemore Park on Monday the 5th, which is next Monday, Bank Holiday Monday, at 1pm. Excuse me. And they are inviting everybody with a dog and even people without a dog to come along. And uh, Tracy is one of the volunteers and fosterers and she joins me now. Tracy, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome indeed. And first of all, tell me about the Haven Rescue, Tracy. Um, I started volunteering for them last year, and they they take in quite a lot of dogs and cats, of course, as well. Mm. And they do great work here in Tipperary, and they take dogs from like Dublin, the towns of Dublin, Kilkenny, Tipperary, all over basically, and they fosterers all over Ireland that take dogs for them. They're uh- and you're you're overrun, I know, at the moment, Tracy. Are overrun, you completely overrun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they send dogs out to America, the UK, Sweden. So and, and they can't uh, home them all in Ireland. Right. And how do you mean they send dogs to these places to be fostered? They work Is that with it? charities. Ah, they, right. they, to be rehomed, they work with charities out in these com- countries, and they rehome the dogs through these charities. And what about here then, in terms of people taking dogs and fostering dogs? Um, wh- why are more people choosing to to purchase dogs at huge cost online? And we don't always know the the, the background to these animals, and we choose not to foster dogs. I think people don't do enough research into the dogs and into what where they're getting their dogs from. Mm. And like a lot of dogs come from puppy farms, unfortunately. Yes. And in these puppy farms, they're very badly treated. And that's the sad reality. Of course, and we've heard horror stories about that over the time uh, as well. Absolute horror stories. In terms of the dogs that are 
um, sent in to the, the Haven Rescue then. Where are those dogs coming from, Tracy? A lot come from the, the pounds and some are picked up on the streets, some are just dumped. Mm. Um, some come from the puppy farms as well. There's a few in at the moment from a puppy farm. Um, so like, they come from all over. And what condition are these dogs in when, when you get them? Uh, it depends. Some are in very bad condition. Some are emaciated, starved. You just don't know when you get them what condition they could come in. And, I mean, as an animal lover, what what is it like to see that, Tracy? I mean, I, I couldn't it's, bear to see that every day, to be honest. It's very hard. And it's very hard when you see the ones you can't save. Do you know, when you can do nothing for the animals, which is very rare, but because they do everything in their power to help the animals. They're, they work very hard. Yeah. And tirelessly. And I know that no animals. no healthy dogs are destroyed, but as you say, some no, animals are in such bad not. bad shape that... Some animals are in bad shape that they just can't make it. But I can't. It's very rare. And, <laughs> and I said they do. Yeah, and where where the haven is concerned, then I mean, how how do you fund? Because it must be very expensive to to house. Obviously, all the dogs. they do fundraising days, and for Christmas they don't a calendar. Um, they still have a few left. If you contact them through their Facebook page, you can probably buy them. They're in some shops in they're in town in Thurles. Mm. Um, Bookworm took some um, Stakens took some of them Ryan's daughter took some and um, to my birth Corcoran's took some as well so they're the few shops that have them Right, but the, fun- the fundraising is vital, obviously. Um, if people Absolutely. listening to us this morning are in the market for a dog, so to speak if they're looking for it, or indeed, as you say uh, a cat um, how how do you go about that? And what, what do you need to well, do? Well, you contact Tracy? them basically contact them through their Facebook page, The Haven Rescue. Mm. Look them up there and message them on the page. Now, they will have a few dogs on the page and you'll be able to see and maybe pick a dog through that. And if they don't have anything you like, just contact them, let them know you want, you're interested and keep an eye on the page. Right. And what about people who might have some concerns about fostering a dog? Because, you know, they they might figure it would be difficult to, to, to bond with them when they've maybe they went through a difficult time or something like that. Um, is, is that a legitimate concern, do you think, Tracy? Um, if there is any issues, there's no judgment on Haven's part. If you have issues with bonding with a dog, if they will pick another dog and you can then do with a different dog if it doesn't work out. Yeah. If the dog say that you bring home, generally I have found there is no issues bonding with any of the dogs. Right. Like I have my own dog who's a collie and he is brilliant with every other dog. And I, I have a 10-year-old child as well and I've had no issues with any dogs coming into my house. Right. So you, you've had no issues with that at all. Tell me what is happening then this coming Monday in uh, Templemore. So in Templemore there's the annual dog walk and everyone is welcome with or without dogs and all dogs have to be kept on leads obviously. Mm-hmm. And Obviously, unfortunately, the restricted dogs have to have their muzzles on. Yes. But it's a great day for meeting, say, the dogs from the rescue. And if anyone wants to, respective to adopt, they get to meet the dogs. And anyone wants to foster, they can come meet Rosie and Jenny and talk to them and get... Right. What, what a great idea. idea. Of what they want to do, yeah. So I understand it's... They're what, also yeah. having a... 
Adoption Day in Muddy Paws and Nina on the um what day is that again? Have it down here. On the tenth of February for Valentine's Day. The basically reject the they're calling us right. with um tongue in cheek as you know the way when dogs people are going into houses mm-hmm. and landlords are not allowing dogs yes, anymore. Sure, yeah. So that's the tongue in cheek they're uh. saying the rejects okay. are not allowed into the houses anymore. All right. The current housing crisis, but people that, are not able to keep their pets. Of course, so there's an opportunity. Even though to, the to dogs, adopt. like I, I've had my dog quite a few years. I've actually had dogs for the last over ten years of my life, and none of them have damaged any house I've lived in. Mm. And like they've been crate trained, a lot of them. And even now, my current dog doesn't even stay in the crate anymore. He's he doesn't chew or do anything. He's very well trained. Well, I, on my bed. I, I wish I could say I had the same experience because we loved our dogs to bits, but we were useless to train them, and they ate everything, <laughs> everything around the place. But it didn't, it, it did not diminish the love for them. That's that's for sure. So Monday, then Bank Holiday Monday, Templemore Park, one o'clock. There's yeah. an I- ideal opportunity for people. Tracy, well done on all the work with the animals. Fair play to you, and thanks for coming on with me. Thank no you. No problem at all. Good morning thanks, to you. Bye bye. That's uh, Tracy Hayde there volunteer with the Haven Rescue doing amazing work uh, for dogs. Uh, what a beautiful story for the family and the little boy. It's great to hear some joyful news for a change and well done to all concerned, in particularly that lovely little boy, Oliver. And that comes in from my friend John Mack in Cashel today. Fran, what is the name of the book? Again, the book is called The A-Cat and Eight Kittens by Oliver Brown. It is produced beautifully. It's absolutely gorgeous. I think it retails at about just under €10, but it's well worth it. And the illustration is absolutely fantastic as well. Um, Somebody says, I I would love a small uh, house dog, but unfortunately I wouldn't meet the criteria as I don't have a secure garden. I'm a great animal lover and supporter, so I'm going to buy a dog if I decide to get one rather than be refused by a shelter. All right, well, that's something we'll look into uh, a bit more as well. Thank you for that. Patrick says, uh, what a charming young boy Oliver is. He has a bright future ahead. He does indeed, Patrick. Uh, somebody else saying, well done to Oliver. Uh, another listener saying, hi, Fran, isn't Oliver just amazing? Uh, any idea what age child this book is most suitable for? Now, there's a very good question. I would say anything up to about 10, 10, maybe 11. Uh, it's that kind of a, a book. But even as an adult, it's it's a beautiful book. Do you know what I mean? It it just looks gorgeous. And I was given a present of that. I'm going to treasure it. Um, let me see. Where are we at all? Yeah, news and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage. Puck on! You can't beat experience. With over fifty years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. Oh six seven two four one 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 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And welcome back to our Friday panel. Joe Leahy is with me, Phil Pernagast and Paul McCarthy as well. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the screens in front of me. A lot of people are hoping this system will work, but a lot of people are very, very doubtful. And one of the points they're making is the complete lack of information beforehand. 
um, that this was going to happen. Where well, yeah, the, it was just landed on people, yeah. and now it's mm. part and parcel of this is what you do. Yeah, but isn't that typical of so much that's happening lately that, you know, we're presented with situations without any... Careful now, Frank. Information. Careful, careful. But this, we is, get, this is a media issue. <laughs> what? How, how this is this a media issue? issue. Well, I it, knew it, about it, it. I knew about it years ago. Well, not years ago. I knew about it. I'm not saying... But I mean ordinary people. Yeah, oh, I am an ordinary person, <laughs> Fran, and, and I'm not taking any, any of that from you. <laughs> we have a communication system that's TV, yes. uh, radio, and, God help us, social media. Uh-huh. Yeah? The, the news of this came out months and months and months and months ago. Don't ask me for the date, but it came mm. out in the broadsheets, it came out in the narrow sheets, it came out on certain radio media, and maybe not enough was made of it. Mm. Maybe, you know, we should have just upped it a bit. But where is the... You know, the commercial, the commercial media companies need revenue. Mm. You need to put food on the table. So that's not going to happen if you have boring old things like this, you know, come up. And it's only only newsworthy, Fran, hear me out, it's only newsworthy when there's an issue and people say, oh, what's all this about? But there's no no doubt, Fran, we will get a leaflet about this now shortly. Oh, oh, it's it's about to come out. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've no doubt. And there'll be one for every house. (laughs) And what do we do with that then? Recycle. But but in fairness, I have to say, I mean, I try to keep up to speed as much as I can on what's happening within reason. And I genuinely uh, didn't hear much about this at all. Define much. Much. You much. said you didn't hear much about this. I didn't hear anything about it, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, well, it's not very newsworthy, is it? It's a, it's a system that's gone no, in. No, 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 but, but, but the impression you're giving is that we didn't cover it because it's no, boring. No, no, I'm not, it's not a blame game, Frank. Right, OK. It's just that people don't know about it because, in its essence, it's not a terribly newsworthy item. Yes. And in order to get attract listeners and readers, you need newsworthy items. Did you, did you have your Snickers today? I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just checking. Had me porridge, if you're um, listening. Minister Eamon. <laughs> Ryan and his colleagues, they're facing a backlash this week as they do every single year because news broke that they're planning to fly to international um, uh, destinations for St. Patrick's uh, celebrations and uh, Mr. Ryan stated that it's essential for keeping international communications open and he is heading for uh, Brazil. Phil, can I start with you uh, on this? We have this conversation every single year. It seems to be a little more vicious this year, I think. I, I think people are getting kind of weary, Fran. These, uh, well, they were used to be formerly known as junkets, of course, um, are very expensive. Um, there's a very expensive cost to it. Um, none of these lads fly in in the back of the plane, mm-hmm. in the in the fuselage or wherever. They're all up in the business class. The business class, yes. or if there's not a business class, they're they're certainly not fl- flying cheaply. Um, and they bring their advisors with them and their chief of staff or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's it's never one person. It's usually about four. Um, and it's never just one minister on their own and they're all, so anyone that goes away are bringing several people with them mm. um, look, the the idea of it was fine for its time about the old shamrock and the green and representing the country it's good that it's maybe trade deals or something positive can come out of it but um, as a small country I don't know if if, if a green minister in particular can justify travelling that distance 
in the end when he could just do a Zoom call. Now, he's making the point himself that Brazil, OK, it's a, it's a fair old distance there, but uh, Brazil, hugely influential at this time. They're chairing the G20. They'll be running COP next year. He'll have an opportunity to discuss climate change with the Environment Minister there and stuff because there's substantial issues going on. Does, does any of that hold water for him? I don't think so, Fran, because he, like, I mean, we have every means of communication without actually having to be <coughs> physically in another country flying there. I think there's every means that you can have a realistic conversation, perhaps face-to-face time um, with the person that you need to speak to and not have to go through the layers of bureaucracy that exist in every single one of those junkets. There's there's formalities and informalities. There's people that do it and, and all the best deals are done, maybe having a pint. Something. I couldn't imagine Eamon Ryan having a pint. I just can't. But um, he'd be having pint of milk or uh, no. water uh, or something like that. Uh, but no, I, I, I just do think it's something that has become so accepted now, we're kind of weary of it. But there'll be ministers going to every corner yes. of the world. A- 86 cities right across uh, the world. Paul, what about this? It seems to happen every year, but particularly it seems this year, as I say, more uh, more people point out maybe the hypocrisy of what Eamon is doing, but um, how, how do you feel about it? Government ministers are running a business. The business is called Ireland Inc. Ireland Inc. is not going to get ahead unless it does the business. I was in business for years and years and years, and I would no more ring to get a... It's it's called schmoozing, I think is the slang for it. You go and you press the flesh and and you look at them and you share a cup of coffee and maybe a pint of milk or a pint of whatever you're having yourself. And... That way, Ireland gets out of... Uh, it, it diversifies its economy. Instead of milking every cow that you could possibly imagine you could put on the green earth of Ireland, you say, well, hang on, how did Boston and how did Abbott come to Clonmel? They came because a minister went out and did the business face-to-face, real-time, not two-dimensionally. Well, economically, it's very, it's very profitable. Huge, for to be and here. that's called foreign direct investment. And Ireland has benefited because hard-working yeah. ministers... Well, hard-working well, ministers... Hang on a be- sec, No, Fran. no, 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 no. These companies have benefited greatly by being here with our tax system. Exactly, and that's, that's Ireland Inc. doing business. Yeah, and that's what we want. But is that because what this is? Because it puts bread on a lot of tables, it keeps mortgages right. paid, but is and it keeps the car on the road. St. Patrick's Day, is that what this is about? Of course then? it is. It's an, it's an excuse, if you like, if you needed one, it's an excuse to hop on a plane and do the business. Look, I could Im- you, you see certain bus... Kavanaugh's. Kavanaugh's do a very good bus service to Dublin. I'll use it myself soon. And I'm going to Australia. Mm. And I'm going to have a huge carbon footprint. And I'm not going to get off the bus and say to that cavernous driver, do you know, I should kick you down the road because look at all, this carbon, look at all the carbon emissions you've, you've, you've produced doing this, driving this bus to Dublin. He says, yeah, but that's my job. I've got to do it. It's a public service. That is exactly what ministers do. Any political colour you like, that's what they're doing. They're keeping Ireland Inc. on the road. Right. Well, can you see why people would say that where Eamon is concerned that this is very hypocritical? No, it's what, not. It, no, if you go to Eamon's house in Clonestree... Could, could, could I just finish for a yeah, minute? Yeah, could, of okay. course. Yeah, go on. He wants me to take a bicycle, ideally, to... 
to work. So does that lady in in right. in, in in the health place in but, town. But do you understand that what what people are seeing? They're seeing the huge carbon footprint when he would like us all to get on public transport, which we don't have. How does or get on our bicycles? Or, you know? This is this is vilification of an individual who has a certain political and and environmental slant. Vilification. Well, I think. What you're doing? It's a you discussion. just called him, a, friend. A you just called him a hypocrite. Well, everybody in the newspaper is calling. But him But he's a not hypocrite. a hypocrite because if you go to his house in Klonski, not that I've right. done it, but I've done. I've By the way, the I didn't call him a hypocrite. What I did was I repeated what's being said in the newspapers for the sake of discussion oh, and to fuel discussion. He said, she said. That's all that is. Right, but he said, she said. Look, look. Go to Eamon Ryan's house. He's got a 1950s Dublin suburban <sighs> house, and just look at the. All the the, the the carbon footprint of that accommodation. He cycles in to the door. What well, the, more? Well, the fellow chasing him in the what, car what, with, what? with these papers. But that's that's the system. That's because he's a minister. Joel, what what are you making of this? I was just wondering where you're going to have a, another go off each other there. The two. Um, I think <laughs> he's the th- picking I, on me. I honestly think that the thing with Eamon Ryan, I really, and excuse the language, I really think it's taken the urine a bit, to be honest with so. you. I really do with Eamon Ryan, especially. I really do. I, I totally agree with what Paul is saying. I honestly think we have to sell ourselves. You know, we have a country of huge employment, a country of great opportunity. And for the one day of the year, you know, the conversation, you, you said that at the intro there, the conversation comes up every year, you know, about flying here. And the knockers knock, 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 knock. But the opportunity what the old bowl of shamrock does is we're punching way, way above our weight. We're able to get jobs into the country. We're able to give employment. And yes, they do get tax breaks. Look, everyone does the thing for a reason. You know what I mean? Yes. You, you know, you climb a mountain, jump in a lake, whatever you do, you're doing for a reason, right? Yeah. So the same thing here is the feedback that we're getting for the country is phenomenal. And, I, I, and I, access I, to the White House, of course. Is, and access is, to every, you know, uh, to yeah. all these things. And yeah. as a result of that, then you meet a person, you shake the flesh. And I wouldn't agree with Phil now on the Zoom calls, I might as well tell you, but you go and you meet the person and you shake the flesh. And then that gets you to the trade fair, that gets you the invites. That's what it all does. It's all about communication right. and good communication. So is this all nonsense? I think all this discussion every year is that is that oh, I, I think it is. I really right. think it is. I think it's a big sales. I think it's an opportunity to have a huge sales pitch for Ireland, and I think that's what the vast vast majority. Okay. You will get it. You'll get the odd one. Hadn't we a leader here one day? He couldn't get off the old plane in Shannon there because he had a couple of vodkas or something, you know, a few years ago. So you will get the odd one that'll do those kind of things. But the reality, vast majority right. of people are doing it for the right nonsense, reason. Nonsense, Phil. It's all nonsense. What, what no, no, but what, he's, there are other contributors that have made really, really valid contributions to the discussion. There's an aspect of it because somebody is in the green environment but sure we are all in the green environment as much as we can be Um, I do really think we are doing our best but I do take the point that there's very valuable uh, as you say flesh on flesh handshakes that are Mm. there to seal the deal and it does us good so you know I mean I might be just thinking it is hypocritical to go all that way um, for somebody that professes to be so environmentally aware and cycle around Dublin, and he can't, I know he can't cycle off to right. Brazil. Okay. I know that. All right, we'll take another break. We'll calm ourselves down, and we'll be right back in just a few moments. <laughs> Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today 
with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, you're very welcome back to our Friday panel and we will definitely all have a Snickers uh, a little <laughs> a little later on. Um, Paul McCarthy is with us, Phil Prendergast and uh, Joe Leahy with us as well. Now, Carol Nolan, uh, Deputy Carol Nolan's uh, comments regarding the treatment of protesters in Ross Grey went viral this week. Uh, she spoke about how the people of Ross Grey were vilified, they were portrayed as far-right activists and uh, that they were racist. So let's put this to our panel then. What do you think about the portrayal of the locals in Ross Grey and the fact that Carol Nolan uh, spoke out about this and also the fact that there appears to be a bit of a U-turn with even government parties now uh, as to what's to happen with immigration. Joe, do you want that first? Carol Nolan's uh, comments, did you hear them? First of all, Joe. I did. I heard. I heard her on on uh, the radio there. Um, I didn't agree with her comments. To be frankly honest, I didn't think that there was um, too much commentary about that. That everybody there was far right. I didn't. I, or far left either. I didn't hear. I didn't get that. I didn't get that from the commentaries that were going on. Um, I was here in the studio the day that um, the their one of their, the protest organisers was here in, uh, on the Friday panel and she was saying, you know, that they asked some people that, that arrived on the scene which were far right and they asked them to leave and they turned to one away they didn't want anything to do with them. Yes. So I don't think that they were... I, did, I didn't think that the people were, of Ross Grey were portrayed as being far right. I really didn't think that. And I, you know, as somebody else has said, it's an election year so maybe that's the reason or we're heading, for that, heading in that direction. Maybe that's the reason. Um... What's happening there, you know, I see a lot of things, There's a lot of, there was a lot of bad press coming out of it, but the reality of it is, I suppose, like when you have a protest, somebody has to organise the protest, somebody else has come along trying to get through that protest, there's going to be, uh, you know, friction somewhere along the line, the, never the twain shall meet, but they will meet, and there you go, and I think everybody concerned had to have a rethink. I really do. I think the amount of damage there was somebody going to get killed sooner or later with places being burned down and all that and the cost of it and rioting and everything else and extravagant costs. So there had to be certainly an amendment to the way it was being ran or organised. And I think that is happening. Joe, security is your thing. Um, That day, that particular day when the first of the asylum seekers arrived, that was handled really badly, Joe. I mean, really, do you know, in terms of how... The, the, the people came off the bus right into a crowd of people. There was uncertainty but, there. there was but how would you see? The thing is, I said this the last time on that day. How, would you ha- how do you handle these things? You see, it's a grand to sit back in the aftermath and look back. How do you handle it? Like, is there not responsibility on the people that brought their children to a protest uh, to form a human barrier with children there? Is that, are they not a responsibility as well? I honestly believe, like, if you're going doing these kind of things, you have to be responsible. And you have to say, like, the people, it's grand to say afterwards, like, like there was people coming down in a bus. They were arriving, wherever they were coming from, they were arriving in a bus. And they were met with a blockade. Now, what do you do? Hmm. How do you get them through the blockade? Well, the only way you can get well, them through Well, I would the have done what they did later, which was to bring the bus inside. Yeah, as opposed to letting people off to go through. Uh, uh, but, but but anyway, we, we, we discussed this before. But you see, these but, things, these things, you see, Fran, they're taken on the ground at the time. 
do you you make a decision today? Like just like you here saying, if you got a, if a news flash came in there now that somebody you know uh, important had passed away or something, yes. you'd you'd mention it there for a second because it happened instantly on the ground. A lot of these things are made on on the day, on the place, on the spot because you have to change what you're at and what you're doing. It could have been for safety reasons. We weren't there. Mm. One side would say it was, and other right. side would say it wasn't. But we weren't there, so we but, don't know. I, but the the substantive thing that we're discussing is the were the were the people portrayed to be something that they're not. No, because they had genuine concerns about their community. No. No, no, I, 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 no, no, I don't think they were, and we discussed okay. it before. Right. I think where there was a massive letdown here is from the management of the hotel that they should have come out. They're the ones that are gone away. There's not one mention about any of them. They should have come out... Uh, they faced their locals, explained what was going on, total lack of communication there, and I think had they come out and had they taken leadership, and even had some of the leaders that were supposed to be up there, had they taken leadership and said, we've made our protest, now let the bus in. But that wasn't for happening either. So I think this lack of communication was huge and lack of leadership on the ground at that time was huge as well. Oh, lack right. of I, I think as well the whole yes. fact no. that it was so instant, like it, this was an overnight event, and the hotel was no longer a hotel. It was now going to be a, asylums. And as a, a, a staff, staff didn't even know. And the, yeah, so yeah. I mean, how Im- imposing a new regime upon a society, be it big or small, there are people are going to get the wrong side of the story, the nub of the story, the right side of the story. And being honest with you, I do think the way it was initially handled, it was like taking a sledgehammer to crack a nut. It really was badly mm. communicated. And how the people were regarded and referred to in the media? They, they, were, they were local people yes. who mm. had supported a local community and a local enterprise and yes. they had done it for years and the expectation was at least you would communicate with the local community that there's things going to change, we have alternatives planned... They reacted with another venue mm. that was going to become a kind of a hotel, sort of a, you know, some place you could go and stay. Mm. Very badly handled. A communication a was just appalling. Uh, Paul, be interested to know what, what you think. I have very little to say about this, frankly. You'd be disappointed. And mm. I agree with Phil and I agree with Joe. Um, the first, I suppose the first casualty of this conflict was the truth. And um, the, uh, particularly... The, the last the, the comments in the last few minutes about communication. If this had been communicated, if instead of Simon Coveney, as he was talking to your correspondent this morning on the radio, and instead of dodging, well, let's see the colour of your money question. And for those who didn't hear it, Simon Coveney was talking to uh, one of the Tip FM... Donald, uh, Donald, Donald, Donald yes. Ryan, and Donald says to uh, Simon, well, the people of, of Ross Cray want to see the colour of your money. And he dodged and weaved and dodged and basically didn't answer yeah, it. And that's, and that's yeah. the real casualty. Yeah. If you look at <clears throat> what happens when you introduce, um, for, for want of a better word, I don't mean it pejoratively, non-Indigenous people, foreigners, for to keep it simple, into a native community. Um, if the numbers are small... Now, there are studies done on this, in social science studies done on this. If you introduce a small number of migrants into a population of indigenous people, the well-being of that community goes up. Mm. 
No studies have been done, and I don't think they need to be done, if you introduce a large number of immigrant people into a small community. And that's what's happened in Ross Cray. And I have every sympathy with the people who are frightened. They're frightened because they don't have the information. Why don't they have the information? They don't have the information because it hasn't been communicated. The owner of the Racket Hall, or the Racket Hotel, he was on a lose, or she was on a lose-lose, because if he had told the people, he'd have got to know, and if he hadn't told them, right, mm. he gets it anyway. Yes. So, and that was a commercial decision, and nobody can blame somebody for, for making a commercial no. decision. No. You know. But no. at the same time, though, Fran, at the same time, on the morning or the day or the time, whatever time, I don't know what time that bus arrived at, we'll just say it arrived at mm. midday. At that time, there should then, on the ground, there should have been a lot more communication. And somebody from that hotel should have but, went out and but, said... I, I'm no. not sure about that, Joe. I, should it not have been somebody from the depart- from Roderick, Roderick O'Gorman's department yeah. or a local TD or somebody... That as well. Yes. You, should, you should have had, uh, uh, dare, dare I say, this, and I don't want to use the Bloomer Committee, but dare I say, you should have a group of two or three people, but there should have been one from the building. Yes. And there should have been one from the department. And there should have been one local <coughs> leader. Let him be community leader, let him be polit- political leader. There should have been two or three people there that got together and said, folks, this is the story. This is the way this is happening. And, and, and this is what's going on. Yes. What was awful there was that the people that were on that bus were coming from a horrendous Correct. situation. Correct, horrendous. But also the protesters there were expecting, now whatever we might think of this, they were expecting young males to be on that bus and what transpired was it was mothers and children were on the bus I firmly believe if somebody said to the protesters look these are women and children on this bus it, you, but you see, it Fran, would have diluted but the, you see, Fran, the whole effect of it Fran, it's like, the, it's like the, the topic we were talking about earlier on is like the leaflets and the notification would they be trusted? Would they be trusted if they were told, no, the, 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 the belief would be, hold on, hold on, we're going to be hoodwinked here. They're going to tell us there's women and children when they get in here, all of a sudden when the no, bus is gone. So there's, an, there's a huge lack of trust in a lot of this. And, yes. and, and a lot of it is, sorry, Phil, a lot of it is to do with lack of normal communication, just normal telling the truth communication. Yeah. Sorry, and, Phil. And you're there, ha- there has been situations where very large numbers of young men have come yeah. Um, yeah. to hostels. And and that worries communities yes. for the various reasons, and that has been well discussed and identified. I think the the means of communication for what happened here to to brand the people that mm. live in that community very wrong. They were reacting to misinformation or no information, and when you get people that are good at the voice to put out a position. Many, many people take that as facts when in fact it might be bothered at. It can be completely outside. Yeah, it's a perfect example of how not to do it, correct? Yeah, absolutely. But I also think as well now, Fran, I also think as well, you know... I just, I just the, have somebody calling us here to say it feels like Joe is still blaming the people in Ross Grey. Absolutely not. I never said that at all. And, I, and, and I'll tell you what I was going to say. If the, I hope the person is still listening. They now have a bigger challenge. Because now they're faced now, they're still protesting and they now should be, uh, they're supposed, supposed to be embracing the people that are in there, the residents, these new residents to the place. It's going to be very hard to create the trust between the new residents and the people on the blockade. Mm. Because the, the new residents, the people on the blockade were the people that they met when they arrived first. Mm. They're still on the blockade outside. Now they're trying to communicate with them to welcome into the town and to get involved with them in what's going on in the place. They have a major job of work to do. 
and, the, and, and is continuing. So they have a bigger yeah. challenge now than they think I, they have. I'm very interested in what you said to me, Paul, by way of studies of if there's a, a small number of mm. uh, people from overseas mm. or whatever into a community <coughs> and how that can be a very positive for the community. There's a discussion that nobody's having. No. Because... Wouldn't you like to know, well, okay, that's the result of that. But what is the result when you overwhelm a community in some way? Well, I think think probably, Fran, you know, this is a bit like, look, we have, and I'm kind of answering your question in in a more roundabout way. You can only put two pints into a quart pot. If you try and put three pints in, it's all going to fall over all over the floor. And that's exactly what's happened when you see... Poor devils on in tents on the street in Dublin who are supposedly coming to Ireland for sanctuary, for asylum, right? So we don't, we don't seem to be able to get the idea in our heads that, well, hang on a sec, what is the limit on the number of people we can introduce? Never mind about integrating into Irish communities, just housing them. And the whole thing is very poorly thought through. So, is there anywhere that has got it right? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head here and thinking, when I was a student in London, I lived in... Students, um, all students, are on their uppers, usually. Not all students, but most of the students are on their uppers financially. And so, Eddie, this mate of mine, and I were looking for cheap flats. And cheap flats go to poor parts of the community. And I was in a part of North London, and I had... Turks, Cypriots, Hasidic Jews, West Indians as my neighbours. There were very few what I would call Londoners, right? And the only problems I had, and, and, and well, in terms of social integration, the West Indians next door had great parties, had superb parties. And they were, they were different. The Cypriots and Greeks, the Cypriots and, and uh, were, were great bakers. You go to their shops. So there were lots of Inputs. The only time I felt strange was when I went down to a store run by, which was the local supermarket run by Hasidic Jews, and you put your money, you put a, a ten bob note out to buy something, and they wouldn't take it from you. But you had to put it on the counter because it's unclean to touch a Gentile. Wow. And if you put your hand out for your change, they put it on the counter next to you. And I felt a stranger in my own land. And that's what I mean by, you know, you have to come halfway to meet people. You absolutely have to come halfway to meet people. And if you don't, you're in friction. And there's another thing as well, uh, Fran, that happens, and it's happening throughout the country. Nobody likes change. You know, nobody, everybody is afraid of change, you know, no matter which way it goes. Everybody is afraid of change. And you get people that will incite uh, you know, they're going to incite a sort of a riot situation. Correct. Because right. you're getting misinformation. It's spoken in a strident tone with authority and someone could be completely right. and absolutely yeah. listening to some other SH1T that someone else Correct. started yeah. to stir. Spot on. Mm, all right. OK, let us move on with our final uh, item then. The Eurovision Song Contest. Don't mind it goes, if we don't. Caused a bit of a, <laughs> a stir during the week as well. Um, the, the submission from Ireland uh, extremely controversial. Um, Doomsday Blue, it's called, and uh, the artist is Bambi Thug. Um, wokeness came up there, the whole business of pronouns as well, and indeed um, Bambi Thug being uh, non-binary as well. Phil, do you want to do you want to start with this? One? Have you heard the the, the piece, by the way? <laughs> 
now I can tell you, Fran, I, I thought the actual late, late that night was probably the worst, worst event I've ever watched in my life. I just thought the whole way it was presented was so lacking in oomph or anything. I just, I chose the bed, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I had it plugged in. I just took and, myself. And afterwards, in the last few days, have you heard the song? Have I you? haven't really heard the song. Right. All I can tell, I heard bits of it. Mm. Um, it's not my genre, let me just say that, mm. okay? I don't have anything against nouns, pronouns, binary, non-binary, gay, straight, I, transsexual, but I, I really don't Same mind. I'm yep. just absolutely, completely indifferent to it. I think it's a very eclectic um, presentation. I have watched it. I think all these nails, the curling nails and things, they have to be just put on and taken off. They can't be. Mm. They're inconsistent with the, the principles of This is what Bambi Tug is wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, look, uh, I just think if you want to get I don't know if we can beat the bearded lady that won in, in 2004 she, whenever Israel, it was. Israel, I think. Um, well, let's see. I think <laughs> was it? it was... Um, or was it Italy? I don't know. What, what, it was, well, let's see. Uh, I have it here somewhere. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah. But a uh, bearded lady won the yeah. Eurovision. Well, well in first, so, the song, though, was... was oh, no, good. the song yeah. was yeah. lovely. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Fran. It's, I suppose that we're gone so far down into the rabbit hole of trying to compete in a, in a a where we're in a block that we can be beaten because there's single vote per country or whatever that uh, it's kind of it's kind of gone it's it's lost for me anyway it's lost its relevance um we're we're just not going yeah. to get back having what we would have described as songs. Now we have series of noises, clashings and nails and things that are carrying on. What do you, what do you think, Paul? Have you, have you had a chance to, to... Oh, yeah, I saw it, Fran. Yeah. Um, I think it's great. I think uh, if you want to... If you want to entertain, you, 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 you can either veer towards real quality in terms of... In your profession, you know, of song production and... and, 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 ampli- and but if you want to shock and get people's interest, you dress up like the 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 individual we're talking about, Bambi. What's it? Bambi Thug. And yeah. you produce the most outrageous sound <laughs> and yeah. dress and accompaniment you can, and it's entertainment, it's showbiz. You I, know? I thought it was quirky. I, yeah. I, I, I haven't got a problem but, with it yeah. at all. What I have got a problem with, we need another program for this, is having Israel on the panel. Because I was, I would say this. I don't think Israel should be entertained. And the, I think it's the European Broadcasting Authority, who put on the Eurovision Song right. Contest, said, and how f- stupid these people are. Well, there's nothing in our terms of reference, in our rules, which says we can't have Israel. Genocidal countries, we can have. Yeah, it's like, look, I'm involved in cultus and. You could say, well, look at Coltus, and there's nothing here which says we can't have armed criminals in it. Mm. Well, that's because it isn't... It, it, so, it's so... Right, so you think Israel should be... Out. 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 And if, okay. if by some reason they, they scrape in, wouldn't it be great if they all got zero point? As, uh, by everybody. I, I'm just uneasy about... Uh, because the same thing happened when Ukraine win, won when I think they didn't deserve to win at the time and it was a political vote. Absolutely, well, yeah. I'm not, not, not all that comfortable with politics entering it, uh, Paul. But 10,000 dead I, children. Thank you. Ah, uh, no. Look, come on. You're preaching to the converted here. Yeah, uh, yeah, completely. Yeah. But I'm just wondering if Eurovision is the platform for that. I think Do, it is. Yeah, OK. That's fair enough, too. Joe? 
Um, I just uh, watched about a minute and a half of the song and I would much prefer to be watching uh, Paint Dry. I didn't watch the Eurovision. I won't be watching the final and I'll be doing my nails or something when we'll do that. So is that a no, Joe? Oh, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had Dustin. Dustin was great. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Screwed, All right. Screwed um, us forevermore. We will never be forgiven for that tobacco, I can tell you. But yeah. Well, this uh, panel was very hard work for me today, I have to say. But my thanks uh, to my great friends, uh, to Paul and to Phil and to Joe. Thank you so much. Uh, that's it for me. Ali produced. Uh, Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel. And I will talk to you on Tuesday. Look after yourselves over the weekend. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.